Hello, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Monday, December 26th, 2022. I'm Mike Cachopoli. All right, here we are on the other side of Christmas, on the other side of Christmas, um, the day after Christmas. In Canada, they call this Boxing Day. Nothing to do with fighting. Nothing to do with fisticuffs. And, and just everything to do with, I believe, boxing of presents or unboxing of presents or organizing presents, something like that. Something to that effect. You can look it up. Boxing Day. But it's the day after Christmas, and <clears throat> they, they do celebrate it in Canada. And um, here we're just doing a, a, a fake holiday, a fake holiday, because everyone has to have their holidays, right? So since we miss out this year because of the holidays falling on Sunday, Christmas falling on Sunday and New Year's next weekend falling on Sunday, we're going to do the day after. So we'll do the 26th and the 2nd. It will be holidays. So really, we don't get the, you know, this week, this is a very bizarre week. This is the week of, of, of like emptiness, the week of nothingness. The week between Christmas and New Year's is like it shouldn't even be on the calendar because most people don't go to work. They tune out. They're with family. They go on vacation, extended vacations, Christmas to New Year's. And things really won't get started rolling again until next Tuesday, January 3rd. But I'll be here all week. I'm going to be here all week. Try the veal. <laughs> um, and there's a lot to talk about. A lot happened over the last two. A lot happened over Christmas weekend. And more happened today. I didn't expect anything to happen over this weekend. But a lot has happened. There's a lot going on. There are lawsuits with with COVID lawsuits. There's vaccine mandate lawsuits. There's There was two Twitter dumps. There was a... Uh, Matt Taibbi did a Twitter dump on on the uh, Twitter and other government agencies and more collusion between Twitter and the FBI and all these other government agencies outside of the FBI, such as the Pentagon, the CIA. There was that dump. And today, uh, earlier or yesterday, actually, David Zweig, Z-W-E-I-G, a new edit, a new person who's going to be going through some of these files, more Twitter files. And, and David really specializes in, in the COVID debate. And I'll get to that in a second. But David did a thread how Twitter rigged the COVID debate. And this is just as David talks about, <clears throat> and as Elon Musk talks about, scratching the surface. He said next week, there's going to be another big dump on the COVID collusion between, you know, the CDC and Fauci and censoring people, doctors like Martin Koldorf and Jay Bhattacharya and so on and so forth. And next week's going to be a really big dump. But now we are into it. This is basically dump number what, 10? Now we're into the COVID stuff. Now we're into the getting into the Biden administration as well. Still the Trump administration, because remember, Trump was president the first the last year his, of his presidency was the first year of COVID, but also going into the Biden administration. So we'll get to all of this in just a second. There's a lot. Um, I was really just going to focus on the Taibi stuff. And... Uh, and then the the David's Wake stuff came down. So, you know, the Taibi stuff is more of what we've talked about for the past week or so, week and a half, which is Twitter and their collusion with government agencies, right? And the FBI came out and said, oh, we're all conspiracy theorists. Everything you're reading is conspiracy theories. All those emails that are real emails and correspondence, it's all conspiracy. Don't, don't believe your eyes. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. Believe us, because we're the FBI and we're chivalrous and honest and true and all that bullshit. 
So Matt Taibbi did another dump of uh, Twitter files. And, you know, basically saying after weeks of Twitter files reporting details, close coordination between the FBI and Twitter in moderating social media content, the Bureau issued a statement on Wednesday. And that statement was all about uh, not refuting any of the allegations, instead decrying conspiracy theorists, misinformation, credit, discredit, they want to, we want to discredit the agency, all that nonsense. Um, as maybe Taibbi says, they must think us unambitious for our, if our sole aim is to discredit the FBI. After all, a whole range of government agencies discredit themselves in the Twitter files. Why stop with just one? The files show the FBI acting as doorman to a vast program of social media surveillance and censorship encompassing agencies across the federal government, from the State Department to the Pentagon to the CIA. And the operation is far bigger than the reported 80 members of the Foreign Influence Task Force out of San Francisco, which also facilitates requests from a wide array of similar actors, from local cops to media to state governments. Twitter had so much contact with so many agencies that executives lost track. This is is what they really started to do. They were so involved with all these different government agencies that wanted to censor things that they would say things like, is this DOD day and tomorrow the FBI or is today the FBI and tomorrow the DOD? Is it a weekly call or is it a monthly meeting? It was dizzying. And he shows emails of the such. Basically, people confused as to which day it is. A chief end result was that thousands of official reports flowed to Twitter from all over through the FITF and the FBI San Francisco field office. So he goes more into this. And once again, Mr. Elvis Chan comes up. Um, basically, what Taibbi's doing here is he's once again proving the collusion between Twitter and all these government agencies. And the FBI is full of shit when they say it's you know, conspiracy theory and they're targeting them. Obviously, that's not the case at all. That's not the case at all. Um, so we're talking about everything here, folks. We're talking about the CIA, the DOD, the FBI, the NIH, the C- anything with three letters. Any government agency with the three letters was in collusion with, co- with, with uh, Twitter to censor whatever they wanted to censor, whether it was Hunter Biden, whether it was election stuff, whether it was getting rid of Trump, whether it was COVID vaccines and policies, anything, anything, anything that went against the official narrative and the narrative we've talked about on this podcast for the last, what, 14 months now, they wanted to censor. And Twitter obligated, even with a little bit of pushback sometimes saying, well, maybe we're going too far. In the end, they still did it, right? They still came up with a, an explanation, a reasoning to do it. <clears throat> uh, and so here we are. Okay, you know, so I, I, I will go through some of this, but this is much of the same stuff we've been talking about, right? But today or yesterday, the big one came down, the thing we've all been waiting for. And I want to preface it with another article. And this is important to understand now. We had talked about this. People said, well, you can't sue Big Pharma. Well, now we know that Ron DeSantis is looking to sue Big Pharma, right? Ron DeSantis is investigating the vaccine, the COVID vaccine, all the promises, all of the um, things that were promised it would do that it didn't do, safe and effective, of course, then it was neither safe nor effective, and the possibility of suing Big Pharma, having a class action lawsuit uh, in Florida against Big Pharma for lying about the vaccine and knowingly, knowingly, that's the key, knowingly lying 
about what their vaccine <clears throat> could and couldn't do and how safe it was or how safe it wasn't. But we're now seeing lawsuits, right, against companies, against businesses that had a vaccine mandate. And we've talked about this for a while now, that you, while it may be more difficult, although not impossible, and it will happen, to sue Big Pharma, it's, it's, it's very possible to sue a business, your job, your employer, for making you get the vaccine. And so that's what we're starting to see now. That's what we're starting to see now. And the first one that's come down today, a big one, is a judge approved a $10 million class action settlement over mandatory COVID shots. Thank you, Daniel, for sending me this. A federal judge has approved a $10.3 million class action settlement with a university healthcare system and workers who were denied religious exemptions from COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Chicago-based North Shore University Healthcare System came to terms with 500 current and former healthcare workers this summer, but it was only Friday that U.S. District Judge John Nays approved the settlement terms. The class covers North Shore team members who submitted religious exemption requests between July 1, 2021 and January 1, 2022, were denied exemptions and either took a vaccine to avoid termination or were fired and resigned due to their religious objections. The order says no class members timely opted out of the settlement or filed a request for exclusion. The plaintiff's lawyers at Liberty Council will receive $2.06 million in attorney's fees, and the 13 class representatives will get twenty grand each. Liberty Council said the settlement checks will be sent out in two months. Employees who were fired can apply to rehire within three months, and they will retain their previous seniority level, the law firm said. Several have already been rehired, Liberty Council said. So right now we're seeing the first of many, many, many lawsuits that are going to happen over these vaccine mandates and people being fired. And of course, this will be a chain reaction now, it'll be the domino effect. There'll be more lawsuits over this. We said this would happen, and it is now happening. It is now beginning to happen. I think 2023 is really going to be the year of lawsuits. Okay, it's going to be the year where the people get their revenge over this absolutely obscene, unconstitutional, illegal vaccine mandate. And remember, these vaccine mandates, these vaccine mandates came from the Biden administration. The Biden administration started this ball rolling on this. And of course, Democratic governors picked it up and started doing it in their states. And of course, corporations started. So it was a trickle down effect, right? Talk about trickle down. This is like trickle down. uh, This is like trickle down stupidity. The Biden administration, Democratic governors to companies, businesses and corporations such as airlines and such. Um, who will use the excuse they were only doing it because the governor said they need to do it and the president said they needed to do it and all this bullshit when, of course, that wasn't the case. The president cannot tell an airline they have to have a vaccine mandate. A governor cannot tell a business they must have a vaccine mandate. So these businesses will be liable and they're all going to be sued and they're all going to lose a lot of money and they should. They absolutely should. Um, getting to David Zweig now and the Twitter files regarding the COVID debate. David, by the way, I want to give a little rundown of who David is. If you haven't already looked him up on face on, on Twitter, 
David Zweig, Z-W-A-I-G, author of Invisibles, forthcoming in abundance of caution, writer for the Atlantic, New York Magazine, Wired, the New York Times, and something called the FP, oh, the Free Press, hello. Um, DMs are open. Subscribe, davidzweig.substack.com. And there's a lot of stuff on Twitter, but if you go to his Substack, which I will do right now from the Free Press, uh, from today, Monday the 26th, he goes through it a little bit more. And this is a little bit more about David. By the time reporter Zweig got to the 10th floor conference room at Twitter headquarters on Market Street in San Francisco, the story of the Twitter files was already international news. Matt Taibbi, Michael Schellenberger, Leighton Woodhouse, Abigail Shearer, Lee Fang, and I had revealed evidence of hidden blacklists of Twitter users, the way Twitter acted as a kind of FBI subsidiary, and how company executives rewrote the platform's policies on the fly to accommodate political bias and pressure. Yet we had to crack, yet we had yet to crack the story of COVID. David has spent three years reporting on COVID, specifically the underlying science or lack thereof behind many of our nation's policies. For years, he had noticed and criticized a bias, not only in the mainstream media's coverage of the pandemic, but also in the way it was presented on platforms like Twitter. So we couldn't think of anyone better to tackle this story. This is from David. I had always thought a primary job of the press was to be skeptical of power, especially the power of the government. But during the COVID-19 pandemic, I and so many others found that the legacy media had shown itself to largely operate as a messaging platform for our public health institutions. Those institutions operate in the near total lockstep, in part by purging internal dissidents and discrediting outside experts. Twitter became an essential alternative. It was a place where those with public health expertise and perspectives at odds with the official policy could air their views and where their curious citizens could find such information. This often included other countries' responses to COVID that differed dramatically from ours, and I'm going to add like Sweden. But it quickly became clear that Twitter also seemed to promote content that reinforced the establishment narrative and to suppress views and even scientific evidence that ran to the contrary of the prevailing narrative. Was I imagining things? Was the pattern in I and others witness proof of purposeful intent, an algorithm gone rogue, or something else? In other words, when it came to COVID and information shared on a service used by hundreds of millions of people, what exactly was being amplified and what was being banned or censored? So when the free press asked if I would go to Twitter to peek behind the curtain, I took the first flight out of New York. Here's what I found. The United States government pressured Twitter to elevate certain content and suppress other content about COVID-19 and the pandemic. Internal emails that I viewed at Twitter showed that both the Trump and Biden administrations directly pressed Twitter executives to moderate the platform's content according to their wishes. Now, at the outset of the pandemic, the Trump administration was specifically concerned about panic buying and sought help from the tech companies to combat misinformation. According to emails sent by Twitter employees in the wake of meetings with the White House, one area of so-called misinformation runs on grocery stores. The trouble is that it wasn't misinformation. There actually were runs on goods. And it wasn't just Twitter. The meetings with the Trump White House were also attended by Google, Facebook, Microsoft, and others. When the Biden administration took over, its agenda for the American people could be summed up as be very afraid of COVID and do exactly what we say to stay safe. So I'm going to stop right here before I keep going. So the Trump administration was mostly worried about panic buying. So that's more about like a, 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 a fear and hysteria, right? And we saw that, right? We saw that with toilet paper. Like, why the hell were people buying toilet paper? I could never figure that out. Was it because they thought you'd get the shits from COVID? There was nothing about diarrhea. That's what I thought at the outset. I'm thinking, uh, you have to worry, is this diarrhea a problem? We have to worry about diarrhea? No, but I think... <laughs> 
I think what the run on these, the run, if you will, on these things were about was they were afraid everything would sell out. So this is how this is how this fear and hysteria compounds each other, right? I have a hysterical fear. You have a hysterical fear, and we all do these crazy things like running and getting groceries and and toilet paper. And so we're all afraid if we don't get it there first, it's going to run out, right? Because all these hysterical people are going to buy everything up, even though they don't need to. We see this during a snowstorm, right? And we'll talk about the, the, the latest cold weather and, and snow. But I want to get to that in a second. But we see this during snowstorms all the time, especially in major cities, right? You see it all the time. They'll show the B-roll of, of the people at the at the grocery stores going there and, and buying all this stuff because the, the forecast is for three feet. You end up getting, uh, you know, three inches of uh, nothing. But this happens all the time. In fact, one of my favorite comedians, if, you don't, if you're not following Vic DiBetetto, you should go on Facebook and look up Vic DiBetetto. He's fantastic, and he became famous several years back when he did a video of I, ha- I had to get the milk and bread. And it was him holding, doing, <laughs> holding the camera, running into his car, running to the grocery store to get the milk and bread. I got to get the milk and bread. They're forecasting snow. I got to get the milk and bread. And this is what he became famous from. But it's true. That's what people do. They go insane. And they run and they get all these things. So the, buy, the Trump administration was worried about this, was worried about this panic buying. That's what their main thing was. It wasn't about masking. It wasn't about vaccines. It was about this initial panic buying. But when the Biden administration came in, they lifted it. They, they kicked it up several notches, right, to not just that stuff, but also we know masking, right? You must mask. You must get the vaccine. You must do as we say. You must close your business. All this stuff. I'll get back to this now. In July of 2021, then U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy released a 22-page advisory concerning what the World, World Health Organization referred to as an infodemic and called on social media platforms to do more to shut down misinformation. We're asking them to step up, Murphy said. Murphy said, we can't wait longer for them to take aggressive action. That's the message the White House had already taken directly to Twitter executives and private channels. One of the Biden administration's first meeting requests was about COVID with a focus on anti-vaxxer accounts. According to a meeting summary by Lauren Culbertson, Twitter's head of U.S. public policy, they were especially concerned about Alex Berenson, a journalist skeptical of lockdowns and mRNA vaccines, and I'll add also masking and all that stuff, who had hundreds of thousands of followers on the platform. Biden, one of the first meeting requests in the Biden White House was about COVID misinformation per regular process, public policy, and took the meeting. Biden staff focused on vaccines and high-profile anti-vaxxer accounts, including Alex Berenson. By the summer of 2021, the day after Murthy's memo, Biden announced publicly that social media companies were, quote-unquote, killing people by allowing misinformation about vaccines. Just hours later, Twitter locked Berenson out of his account and then permanently suspended him about a month later. Berenson sued Twitter. He ultimately settled with the company and is now back on the platform. As part of the lawsuit, Twitter was compelled to provide certain internal communications. They revealed that the White House had directly met with Twitter employees and pursued them to take action on him. The summary of meetings by Culberson emailed to colleagues in December of 2022 adds new evidence of the White House's pressure campaign and illustrates how it tried to directly influence what content was allowed on Twitter. Culbertson wrote that the Biden team was very angry that Twitter had not been more aggressive in deplatforming multiple accounts. They wanted Twitter to do more. 
Twitter executives did not fully capitulate to the Biden's team's wishes. Oh, what a shock. An extensive review of internal communications at the company revealed that employees often debated moderation cases in great detail and with more care for free speech than was shown by the government. But Twitter did suppress views, and not just those of journalists like Berenson. Many medical and public health professionals who expressed perspectives or even cited findings from accredited academic journals that conflicted with official positions were also targeted. As a result, legitimate findings and questions about our COVID policies and their consequences were missing. There were three serious problems with Twitter's process. First, much of the content moderation on COVID, to say nothing of other contentious subjects, was conducted by bots trained on machine learning and AI. I spent hours discussing with the systems with an engineer and with an executive who had been at the company for more than a year before a must takeover. They explained the process in basic terms. Initially, the bots were fed information to train them on what to look for. But their searches would become more refined over time, both as they scanned the platform and as they were manually updated with additional chosen inputs. At least that was the premise. Though impressive in their engineering, the bots would prove too crude for such nuanced work. When you drag a digital trawler across a social media platform, you're not just catching cheap fish. You're going to snag dolphins along the way. Second, contractors operating places like the Philippines were also moderating content. They were given decision trees to aid in their process, but tasking non-experts to adjudicate tweets on complex topics like myocarditis and mask efficiency data was destined for a significant error rate. The notion that remote workers sitting in distant cube farms with chickens cackling in the background, I added that, were going to police medical information to this grandeur degree is absurd on its face. Embedded below is an example template deactivated after Musk's arrival of the decision tree tool. This is called the decision tree tool that contractors used. The contractor would run through a series of questions, each with a drop-down menu, ultimately guiding them to a predetermined conclusion. If I can go on this form. Oh, I see. I see. So he shows the form. Is this claim about any of the following topics? The COVID-19 misleading information policy has been discontinued, effective November 23rd. What kind of message is being advanced in this topic? Selects, I see. Okay. So he puts up a form uh, that was used there. Okay. Third, most importantly, the buck stopped with higher-level employees at Twitter. They chose the inputs for the bots and decision trees. They determined suspensions. And as is the case with all people institutions, there was both individual and collective bias. At Twitter, COVID-related bias bent heavily towards, of course, establishment dogmas, inevitably dissent, yet legitimate content, dissident, yet legitimate content was labeled as misinformation, and the accounts of doctors and others were suspended, both for tweeting opinions and demonstrably true information. Take, for example, Martin Koldorf, an epidemiologist at Harvard Medical School. Dr. Koldorf even often tweeted views at odds with the U.S. public health authorities and the American left, the political affiliation of nearly the entire staff, as we know, at Twitter. Here is one such tweet from March 15 of 2021 regarding the vaccination. So endemic equilibrium tweeted this. Dr. Koldorf, do you think younger age groups and people who already had the virus need to be vaccinated? Uh, I am not an anti-vaxxer, but I'm vaccine hesitant about this one. It seems to be a religious mantra now that everyone must be vaccinated. His response was, no, thinking that everyone must be vaccinated is as scientifically flawed as thinking that nobody should. COVID vaccines are important for older, high-risk people and their caretakers. Those with prior national infection do not need it, nor children. 
Of course, that's all correct, by the way. It was correct then, but it's been proven correct a million times since. Internal emails show an intent to action by a Twitter moderator saying Koldorf's tweet violated the company's COVID-19 misinformation policy and claimed he shared false information. This is the, e- the internal email with that tweet connected to it. Hi, team. Hi, team. I love that. Hi, team. Sending a heads up that we will take action on Koldorf, a professor at Harvard Medical School. Jesus, for violating our COVID-19 misinformation policy, specifically by sharing false information regarding the efficacy of the vaccines, which goes against CDC guidelines. But Koldorf's statement was an expert's opinion, one that happened to be in line with vaccine policies in numerous other countries. Yet it was deemed false information by Twitter moderators merely because it differed from the CDC guidelines. After Twitter took action, Koldorf's tweet was slapped with a misleading label, and all replies and likes were shut off throttling the tweet's ability to be seen and shared by others, a core function of the platform. In my review of internal files, I found numerous instances of tweets about vaccines and pandemic policies labeled as misleading or taken down entirely, sometimes triggering account suspension simply because they were veered from CDC guidance or differed from establishment views. For example, a tweet by at Kelly KGA, a self-proclaimed public health fact checker with more than 18,000 followers was flagged as misleading and replies and likes disabled for showing that COVID was not the leading cause of death in children, even though it cited the CDC's own data. This was a tweet by Kelly Kay. We're an excellent example of cherry picking. If you narrow it down to only specific months you specify, which include the largest COVID wave seen across the world, and you ignore all non-disease deaths, and you ignore cancer, heart disease, SIDS, then COVID is leading. And so she puts up the fact list, the list of, of other things that are much, you know, people are dying from, that young people are dying from more than COVID. Internal records showed that a bot had flagged the tweet and that it received many tattles with a system amusingly calls reports from users that triggered a manual review by a human who, despite the tweet showing actual CDC data, nevertheless labeled it as misleading. Tellingly, the tweet by at Kelly KGA that was labeled misleading was a reply to a tweet that contained actual misinformation. And the misinformation was, since December of 2021, COVID has been the leading cause of death from disease in children. That's actually wrong. Proven wrong. So Kelly was actually correcting misinformation, and yet they labeled her information, which linked directly to CDC stats as misinformation. (sighs) COVID has never been the leading cause of death from from disease in children. Yet that tweet not only remains on the platform, it is without any sort of misleading label. Whether by humans or algorithms, content was contrarian but true. Content that was contrarian but true, and the people who conveyed this content were still subject to getting flagged and suppressed. Sometimes this was done covertly. As reported earlier by the Free Press, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, a Stanford professor of health policy who argued for focus protection of the vulnerable and an end to lockdowns, was secretly put on a trends blacklist. But many instances were public-facing. The author of the tweet embedded below was a physician who runs the Infectious Disease Ethics Twitter account. This tweet was labeled as misleading, even though it was referring to the results of a peer-reviewed study that found an association between the mRNA vaccines and cardiac arrests in young people in Israel. This is from Infectious Disease Ethics. Below, the first study I have seen showing that mRNA vaccines in young people, 16 to 39, are associated with cardiac arrests, not just myocarditis, and they show the chart, they chart the graph. Andrew Bostom, a Rhode Island physician, was permanently suspended from Twitter after receiving multiple strikes for misinformation. 
One of his strikes was for a tweet referencing the results from a peer-reviewed study that found the deterioration in sperm concentration and total multile count in sperm donors following mRNA vaccination. So this was from Andrew Boston. I, I had followed him for a long time. Primary COVID-19 mRNA vaccination temporarily impairs semen concentration. So once again, he's showing that semen count is down, 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 down for people who take the vaccine. Uh, Twitter's logs revealed that an internal audit conducted by Twitter after Boston's attorney contacting the company found that only one of Boston's five violations were valid. The one Boston tweet found to still be in violation of Twitter policy cited data and drew a conclusion that was totally legitimate. The problem was only that it was inconvenient to the public health establishment narrative about the relative risk of flu versus COVID in children. This is the tweet from Boston. U.S. and local Rhode Island data, influenza is more lethal than COVID-19 in children, while COVID-19 vaccination causes serious morbidity, uh, causes more serious morbidity than influenza vaccination in children and puts up a chart showing all the data. This tweet was flagged not only by a bot, but also manually by a human being, which goes a long way to illuminating both the algorithmic and human bias at Twitter. It seems grossly unfair, Boston told me when I called to share with him my feelings. What's the remedy? What am I supposed to do? His account was restored along with a number of others, by the way, Christmas Day, yesterday. Another example of human bias run amok was the reaction to the below tweet by then-President Trump. <laughs> Many Trump tweets led to extensive internal debates at the company. Oh, they all got together in, 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 in their rooms. They all got together. Oh, my God, Trump tweeted. What are we going to do? Oh, my God. Oh, what are we going to do about his tweet? Ridiculous. Many Trump tweets led to extensive. You know, this was no different. Okay, this is a tweet from Donald Trump on October 5th of 2020. I will be leaving the great Walter Reed Medical Center today at 6.30, feeling really good. Don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. We have developed under the Trump administration some really great drugs and knowledge. I feel better than I did 20 years ago. This is when he was getting over his COVID bout. In a surreal exchange, Jim Baker, here we go again, at the time Twitter's deputy general counsel, asked why telling people to not be afraid wasn't a violation. So he says, Telling people not to be afraid, Jim Baker thinks it should have been. Telling people not to be afraid is a violation, should be a violation of the misinformation policy. This is Jim Baker to Yoel Roth and Stacia. Why isn't this POTUS tweet a violation of our policy? Especially the don't be afraid of COVID part of it. Oh, my God. He said, don't be afraid of COVID. Holy shit. Late in 2020, he said that. Oh, my God. In his reply, Yoel Roth. Twitter's former head of trust and safety had to explain that optimism wasn't, he had to explain to this dumb former FBI fuck, Baker, that optimism wasn't misinformation. Could you imagine this? Could you imagine this? Hey, Jim, so here's Yoel Roth again, being kind of okay, adding to you, adding to the main thread in the subject. In short, this tweet is a broad optimistic statement. It doesn't incite people to do something harmful. Nor does it recommend against taking precautions or following mass directives. God forbid, mass directives. That was misinformation. Those weren't mass directives, according to UL, were not misinformation because mass stopped COVID. Because here we are 85 years later and there's still COVID. It doesn't fall within the published scope of our policies, Jim. Curious whether you have a different read on it, though. Jim, what's your, what's your FBI read on it, Joe? Jim? Maybe you could change my mind, Jim. What's your, what's your brilliant read on it? Remember, at Kelly, a lot of this, by the way, is, is me talking, as you can't tell. This is not from uh, the official 
thread here. Remember at Kelly KGA with the oh, remember Kelly KGA with the CDC data tweet. Twitter's response to her is an exchange about why her tweet was labeled as misleading and clarifying. So she asked, "Why is this misleading?" And they got back to her. Uh, hey Kelly, thanks for getting back to us about uh, the label on your tweet. Our teams are using and improving uh, on internal systems proactively monitor content. Blah, 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 blah. You know, so bullshit talk that we're all we're doing our best to uh, you know improve this system and so on and so forth. We 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 appreciate you letting us know. We'll let you know what goes on. We'll give you a heads up. All this bullshit. Anyway, throughout the pandemic, Twitter repeatedly propped up the official government line that prioritizing mitigation over other concerns was the best approach to the pandemic. Information that challenged that view, for example, that pointed out the low-risk children, the low-risk children face from the virus, or that raised questions about vaccine safety or effectiveness was subject to moderation and suppression. This isn't simply the story of the power of big tech or the legacy press to shape our debate, though it, it is most certainly that. In the end, it is equally the story of children across the country who are prevented from attending school, especially kids from underprivileged backgrounds who are now miles behind their more, in other words, black, Latino, more be, miles behind their more well-off peers, meaning white and Asian, in math and English. It's the story of the people who died alone. It's the story of the small businesses that shuttered. It's even the story of the perpetually masked 20-year-olds in the heart of San Francisco from whom there has never been a return to normal. Believe me, I know that because I see it every day. If Twitter had allowed the kind of open forum for debate that it claimed to believe in, could any of this have turned out differently? So this is just the beginning of it. Really, this is just the vanguard of everything. And once again, you and I all knew, we knew this, right? You and I, we knew this, folks. We knew this. We knew this was happening because it was happening in real time. It was happening to you. It was happening to me. It was happening to people we know. It was happening to doctors who we uh, trust. And so this was constantly happening, constantly happening to the point where it was so absurd. It was so absurd that optimism was considered misinformation. Optimism was considered misinformation. That's like saying, I had cancer, and uh, I, I went through what you're going through, right? I, I had the cancer you had, and I, I, I went through chemotherapy and radiation, and uh, I got better. Don't be afraid of it. Tackle it. Don't be afraid of cancer. So that would be misinformation, me being optimistic and saying, don't be afraid of this. You can get over it. You can get past it. Is a That's misinformation. That's a bad thing. So really, just related to anything else, but basically like cancer, right? Because we're constantly seeing these, especially during the Christmas holiday, we're constantly seeing this inspirational stuff, right? Saying Jude all over the place. Children saying, don't be afraid of this. We can get through it. I did it. You can do it. That's considered misinformation. I did it. I beat it. You can beat it too was considered misinformation. That's how nutty. This is how insane people were with COVID derangement syndrome and Trump derangement. And once again, that, oh boy, I've said a million times, man, I'm being proved right over and over again now. That one-two punch of Trump and COVID killed a liberal mind, melted it, if they ever had one. Oh, Daniel, 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 Daniel. We're not surprised, are we, Daniel? No, we certainly are not. And as you were talking about the, the optimism, 
in question. It really um, struck a chord with me because much of what has been going on in the last few years, and I, I apologize for some, some of the background noise. Um, I just got home from a Christmas vacation spent with my mom and my children, and uh, my mom trying to get some exercise, which I sorely missed for the last year. So. Um, I'm you're walking. You're walking through the torrential rains in San Francisco. I've got, I've got a huge umbrella. This thing's like oh, yeah, it's like sleep free. It's it's huge. Um, so um, yeah, to to think. I mean, what, what sort of human behavior loves to squash optimism? Um, mass hysteria. Um, this is this is what goes on in mass hysteria all the time. Anyone speaks up optimistically. Anyone. Um, to tries to uh, paint a, even a realistic picture of that thing, that, that, part, that part of the uh, hysteria in which uh, someone is obsessing, um, they, 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 they're, they're deemed a witch as well. If you're, if you're, if you're standing up and saying, eh, well, she's not a witch, and hey, hey besides, she didn't float. <laughs> right. right. Um, um, and, and you would be branded as a witch as well. Um, because it doesn't, in fact, hysteria doesn't like optimism, and, and it doesn't like facts. Um, it's it it's, has its own nourishment when it starts to, to get going, and it has to kind of it's like a fire, and it has to kind of burn its way out. And um, yeah. and uh, but trust me, Daniel, Daniel, Trump derangement syndrome is part of this. Remember, Donald Trump was tweeting that. This is the, this is yeah, the hypocrisy. This is the hypoc Wait, wait. This is the hypocrisy of the left. They keep on saying, oh. We need an optimist. We need a Reagan again to make us feel better. Trump makes us feel bad. He tweets bad things that make us feel horrible. Then he finally tweets. If Ronald Reagan had tweeted the same thing, no, don't be afraid of COVID. I got through it. We can get through it. It will be fine. But the Donald Trump tweeted that once again. Jim Baker, the psych, the psycho, the Trump derangement syndrome in him went insane, and he said, "Oh my God, how can we allow the president of the United States to be optimistic about this? Everyone's dying." You know, it's it like I said, it, these people could not either they didn't want to think straight or they could no longer think straight. But there's no doubt about it that something was fucking wrong with their heads. Something was wrong with their brains. I mean, you're absolutely right. Trump derangement syndrome was behind when, when it comes to the politics of what happened over the last years in COVID. Trump derangement syndrome was right there as being the number one cause of that uh, part of the, uh, the contribution to the pan hysteria. No, no doubt about that. Um, um, one thing I want to bring up uh, with respect is, is, is has to do with something you said um, early on in tonight's show, and that is um, can't sue pharmaceutical companies. No, we can. And and I think there will be many suits, and I think they will ultimately win. It's, it's very clear from the Constitution um, that we have the right to sue. Now, and when it was like in the late 70s or early 80s, I can't remember, when uh, pharmaceutical companies with respect to vaccines were given some indemnity. Um, and that it was at the time, I'm sure a lot of people said this is clearly unconstitutional, and it is. And it's unconstitutional for, uh, I mean, you can look at the First Amendment for the redress of grievances. Um, I can't remember the other amendments, but there's an equal protection clause. And there's the, um, oh, God, what's the other one? I'm trying to remember. But courts have always maintained that we have the right to sue. And it's because of at least three different parts of the, of the uh, 
amendments in our constitution that they have uphold this right. So Commerce comes along and says in this one particular case, we can't. Well, obviously that's not constitutional. This is gonna be the, one of the first times that this particular law is going to be challenged and, and on constitutional grounds. They, they, you know, you may have some people uh, suing the pharmaceutical companies and losing it first, uh, but then they will be appealing and they will be appealing on constitutional grounds. And there isn't a Supreme Court justice that could possibly look at those appeals and say, oh, <laughs> yeah, they, they don't have a case and they don't have standing in this situation. Of course they will. It's blatant violation of our abilities to sue and, 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 and seek uh, redress of grievances and have equal protection under the laws. It's just, it's blatant. And so I, I can't, I can't um, get behind this uh, pessimism that we will not be able to sue pharmaceutical companies. I think, of course, we will. And when it comes to suing universities, um, yeah, there's there's blood in the water. And don't forget that we've won other cases already. We won the uh, the OSHA case. Our side has won the OSHA case, and, um, and that was over six months ago. So this is going. All these things are going to be working through the court. The Supreme Court is going to be under lots of pressure because there's going to be lots of suits that are going to yeah. be filed and they will see these files as heading toward appeal courts, all based on the same grounds of being unconstitutional. And the Supreme Court looks at the volume of suits like this all the time. And because they'll say, hey, this is taking up way too much time in our court. It's time for us to address this issue and it will get addressed. And I just can't see any way in hell that they are not going to say this law passed by Congress back in whatever it was, 1980s, is unconstitutional. I just, I just can't. It's, it's impossible for me to envision that the Supreme Court, no matter who is sitting on the Supreme Court, is going to side with that law. No, of course, there's no that. Look, I think 2023 is going to be more than a year of litigation, but it's going to also be a year, of course, of the Republicans having all these conferences and having all these, you know, all these hearings and all this information, all this, this valuable information we're getting from Twitter is just going to help them. It's just, all this evidence is just going to help them in, in their cause. And of course, it's, that's one thing people need to understand. Without Elon Musk buying Twitter, we wouldn't know any of this. We, we'd know this stuff, but we wouldn't have evidence of it. Exactly. We have evidence of it now. There's and the Republicans would be able to hold hearings but they wouldn't have all this this vast amount of evidence they have. This yeah, vast amount of evidence of, they have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be lots of court cases which could previously, in the absence of some of the evidence that you're talking about, which could previously potentially have been headed off by saying that the CDC and the NIH, NIAID, was, were, were acting with due diligence. But <laughs> they will not have that defense anymore once this information is, is out there as, as, as is becoming. Um, and you, so you're absolutely right. This evidence is going to prim primarily undermine the case of the government in many types of many different types of lawsuits where their defense would have been and could have been due diligence and that they were exercising that when it shows when the evidence shows that they were trying to undermine people's speech, when they're trying to undermine people's ability to um, seek religious exemption. <laughs> And Daniel, and this incredibly idiotic idea, which I don't know where it came from. Maybe you can tell me. This idiotic idea where the CDC's word is the only word that matters, that it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like the word of the Lord and must be taken. It, it it's amazing. We, wait a minute. We, we, we argue and debate so many things. We argue religion. 
we argue whether this this existed. We, did you get hit by a car? Is everything okay? Okay. Yeah, no, no, so my other car just drove by in a car. Right. Um, here's the guy that walks in the middle of rainstorms. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, we have that we have uh, we have arguments over everything, right? But yet, if you if you were against the quote unquote official CDC word, whatever the fuck that even means, you were told you were, you were giving out misinformation and you needed to be censored and eliminated. Where did that idea come from? It was a sociologically manipulated um, psychological phenomenon. It's, um, trying to find the right words to put this in, into perspective right now. But uh, these so-called mandates never had any uh, legal um, backing to them. There was, um, it, it was all a psychological and sociological phenomenon. The mandates were, were issued uh, universities, for example, uh, grocery stores, um, public buildings, they just said, oh, well, the CDC is recommending this, so we're going to do this. Not because the CDC has the, uh, 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 a legitimate and lawful um, right to limit this, limit such behaviors, but because they do, because the university thought that it had that right, and they were going to follow the, the CDC's recommendations. Because grocery stores thought that they, they had that right, because restaurants thought that they had that right, and they were going to follow the CDC uh, regulations because they saw themselves as being socially ostracized if they did not. And this was, and you could see this in blue cities where that soft social ostracization was very possible, as opposed to in red cities where it was very unlikely. Right. Isaac, Isaac, Isaac's asking me, Isaac. The show's live. What would make you think it's pre-recorded? It's 11.45 p.m. Pacific right now. Why would you say it's pre-recorded? This is live. I'm taking live phone calls. No, the show is live. It's not It's not pre-recorded. He must anyway. think we're, 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 we're just exceptional speakers or something. He can't, he can't believe that this is spontaneous, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's maybe, maybe I need to do time checks. It's 11.46 p.m. It's 52 degrees in San Francisco. I don't know what the hell it is near you. Let me let me ask my uh, Alexa here what, what the temperature is where you are. I don't know. Yeah, but anyway. But yeah, gold, it's, gold. Yeah. yeah, it's absolutely pouring, by the way, here in San Francisco. We're having a, what were they called as, Daniel, a atmospheric river event? Oh, I, I, I'm not subscribing to that language. Um, I just call it rain. <laughs> this is what we call it for the last No, uh, I, I, must, I, 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 must, I must censor you. I must cancel you because that's going, against, that's going against the official National Weather Service terminology, Daniel. Sorry. Yes, yes, yes I know. And, and, and you know this rain, whether it, it may even identify as being a uh, – a, a uh, atmospheric river. Who, who knows? So you know, I, 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 but I'm 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 quite willing to offend it and assert my right to use whatever language I want. <laughs> okay. Daniel, thanks for the call. I appreciate yep. it. Right. Have a great night. All right, be safe out there. Stay safe. Don't get don't get too wet. Um. Let's see who who's next. Oh, hey, Bill. Bill, how Bill? How was your weekend? How was your Christmas? <laughs> uh. Uh. Well. Uh, same as always. Let me just say that. I won't get into any detail. Um, anyway, um, I spent a lot of time alone, Mike. What can I tell you? That's what happens when you fight the system and you get blackballed. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, Bill. I'm, but I'm, you know, I'm really yeah. sorry to hear that. But I'm, I'm glad you could be together. We can be together now. You know, that's yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Thank you. 
Well, I put some things in the live chat. I'm just trying to, there was a lot of activity in the live chat, so I got to scroll back. Uh, let me say, um, Professor Senate, about a year ago, MIT professor came out and forecasted some serious side effects due to prion diseases um, due to the mRNA platform vaccines. Um, there's, there's, it's unfortunate she's predicting deadly health conditions in the future, autoimmune disease, blood disorders, strokes, heart attacks, and uh, fatal prion um, diseases. Uh, anyway, there's, there's links in the chat to her. Um, I've, I read about this over a year ago, and I was like, and I tried to warn people, but they couldn't hear it because of the propaganda. Even my own family members. It was really upsetting. That I couldn't get through to him, Mike. You know what I mean? Um, so I just no, there was no getting through to people, and, still, and a lot of a lot of people are still no getting through to them. You know, there's still, it's yeah, still it, it just, doesn't matter. It doesn't it doesn't really matter. All the evidence can come out, and they don't care. It doesn't matter to them. They they won't they won't read the stuff that's going on Twitter. They're not going to watch the you know they're not going to listen to the House committees. They're not going to watch those things. They're not going to watch clips. They're not going to watch C-SPAN, which does all this stuff live. They're not going to do any of that because they want to believe their narrative. They want, Bill, we've, we've talked about this in the past as well. They want to believe that they weren't duped. They, were, they want to believe they weren't duped for three years into doing stupid, idiotic, moronic things like wearing a cloth mask. They, 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 didn't want, they don't want to be duped into believing they were to, into taking five, six, seven jabs, whatever they've done. They don't want to believe yeah. any of that stuff, and they certainly don't want to believe any of that stuff can harm them in the future. So, no. What, what, well, what the issue is obviously the the illnesses that come forward. Of course, the the, the establishment uh, legacy, big pharma, you know, Fauci mafia. You know, they're, they're going to blame it on new diseases, not the vax, and these people won't have any idea. Mm-hmm. what happened to them or why they're getting sicker it's just uh, knowing that it's just you know i have relatives and friends and it's just heartbreaking you know to know and i've lost two people i told you who died my friend chris who had a massive coronary after the second shot and my stepsister's daughter who died in her sleep neither had any comorbidities and, and we're seeing died. young and we're seeing i've never seen so many um reports of young people dying that I've seen yeah. lately, especially on my news feed. Every day I wake up and there's another, you know, two or three people in their 30s and 40s who have just died. And remember, the people we're seeing on our news feeds are, are celebrities. They have a name. They have a father. Right. So imagine how many people, you know, we talked about that with the virus reporting, right? It's only a very yes. small percentage of the actual cases. So think about that. Yeah. If, we're, if we're seeing three or four celebrities a day who are under 50 and had no issues, they were fine, no no cancers, no 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 health problems, mm-hmm. just all of a sudden dying in their sleeps or dropping dead on stage or whatever it may be. Think of how many more people are actually dying. It's it's, it's devastating. Uh, there's a couple other things real quick, and I know you get uh, uh, other things you want to cover. Uh, Dr. David Martin, he posted uh, on his site uh, legal documents uh, and affidavits you can resource um, if you've suffered loss. And he's got a lawsuit going out in Utah. And so there's, uh, if, if you try and find my, anyone interested, just find Backo Bill and follow the links there interspersed with all the other good people messaging you here. The other thing I want to touch on is they just come out with a new plan. Remember I told you they got a new pandemic all uh, table topped out? 
This is Sears now. S-E-E-R-S, John Hopkins University, Bill Gates Foundation. This just broke, right? Sears? 2025. Like the, like, the, like the store, Sears? No, S-E-E-R-S. Okay, not S-E-A-R-S. Yes, it's E-E-R-S, yes. And real quick, I put some text in there and a link. And um, so, well, Bill Gates and the WHO uh, have a, a new simulation, of course, for the next pandemic uh, coming to us uh, come the year 2025. Uh, the Johns Hopkins Center of Health Security in partnership with the World Health Organization and Bill Gates and Melinda Gates Foundation uh, conducted um, another pandemic tabletop exercise. Oh, it just moved because someone put hung on a second. Um, Brussels, Belgium on October 25th, 2022. The phenomenon is dubbed SEERS, S-E-R-S, severe uh, epidemic and and virus respiratory syndrome 2025 are you ready this is the video of natalie uh what's uh, redacted with uh, uh clayton and natalie morris um which you probably know because i think clayton was on fox at one time so right. and um so that's where I, I saw that and there's another link to that um last thing um PubMed, Open Access Medical Journal, 2010, zinc and zinc ionophores, effective versus coronavirus, RNA virus, arterovirus. If you read the abstract, even polio, this serious thing is supposed to be related to polio. So that's zinc and zinc ionophores, PubMed. I have it in the, that's the NIH Open Access Medical Journal, 2010, peer-reviewed periodical. So I just thought I'd share that with people. Um, uh, as a prophylactic, they can, you know, chase that down and do what they want to do. You know what I mean, brother? Yes. I just wanted to share all that with your listeners. So. No, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, you know, now also we're getting all this uh, more fear and hysteria over the fact that COVID is exploding again in China. And, of course, since these people can't think straight, they can't put two and two together, you would think they would they would think for a second, okay, COVID's exploding in China. They, China had real lockdowns. They've had about 37 lockdowns. People haven't been able to go out. They forced people back. They, 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 they forced people into their apartments. They locked them into their apartments. They've worn masks in China for the last 5 million years. Oh, my God. Why is COVID exploding there? I thought masks and lockdowns worked and all that stuff. People can't put, any, they can't put anything together. They really, they really can't. They truly can't. No, no, because you know what the answer is? The answer is it's a virus and there's no answer. And we can't, if man can't flex his muscles and if a woman can't flex their muscles or trans can't flex their fucking muscles and just defeat this stuff with stupid shit like hiding inside and wearing a cloth mask. It's ridiculous. It makes people feel, I understand it. It makes people feel powerless in a way, right? But it's Mother Nature, and if it's going to rain, it's going to rain. You're not going to stop it. If it's going to snow 30 inches, it's going to snow. Look at this huge, huge wave of cold and snow we just saw. Just at time for yeah. Christmas. Wouldn't it be nice if we could – wouldn't it be nice if we can control that and not make it happen in Christmas? But you know what? We can't. We can't control it because it's Mother Nature, and that's what makes people feel so helpless. 
And that's what makes them grasp at straws. Yes, if we just hide from this thing for 37 years, we'll defeat it. If we just wear masks, if we just make our infants wear cloth masks, we'll, we'll protect them. I'll protect, I'm mama bear. I'll protect, we'll protect them. Oh, if we just get a, 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 a jab every other month for the next 27 years, we'll defeat this thing because we are humans and we know the answer to everything. No, no, so you just have to admit, you know what? It will run its course. And the reason, one big reason why China's having this problem is because they have no natural immunity. Yeah, I have a couple quick thoughts on that too, Mike, just to add to that. One, vitamin D3, obviously uh, vitamin C, the things that we normally use to fight off viruses. Elderberry, well-known to fight respiratory illness, which is Tamiflu is derived from um, elderberry. You can purchase that at any health food store online. The other thing you may be seeing here with this rise of what they call COVID, since the PCR test is a total fraud anyway, we talked about that. Karen Mellis made that very clear. Uh, it's an f- excellent test, but not for diagnosing a disease or building a pandemic uh, protocol. But what you're probably seeing here is vaccine-averse events that are because the Chinese are so highly vaccinated and the weakening of their immune system and the illness, that, that's what we're probably seeing, but it's being well, falsely their, their, their vaccine, narrative. Their vaccine seems to be shittier than our vaccine. Whose vaccine? We should have a contest. Whose vaccine is the shittiest? Because it seems like theirs is even yeah, well, theirs is even theirs is even worse. But no, the biggest problem is obviously this constant masking and locking down and not letting your immune system do as nature. And nature, if you believe in nature, if you believe in God, intended, whatever it may be, and uh, allow allow the virus to wash over the health. We talked about this a million times from the start, but we couldn't do any of this because people like Marty Koldorf and Jay Bhattacharya and Marty McCarry and doctors like Peter McCullough who talked about this from day one, if we had just let the young, the healthy people get this early on and protect the elderly, then this would have been gone already. That the, high, the idea is natural immunity. The more shots our immune system take, the better. The more shots the immune system takes and fights back, the better. And China has been insulated. They have the zero COVID bullshit, the zero COVID bullshit. It's, of course, it doesn't work. And to think a nation of people who are supposed to be among the smartest people in the world are this fucking dumb amazes me and makes me think they're not really dumb. They just like control, right? They're not really dumb. They're smart people. They have some of the smartest doctors in the world in China, but they just love controlling people. Yeah, I think the populace is under the boot there. It's really sad. But anyway, I know you got another caller. Thanks, yeah. Mike. Bill, thanks. As always, thanks. Thanks for, thanks yeah. for calling. I appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, let's see. Who's up? Hey, Tony. How's it going, Tony? How was your How was your Christmas? Uh, I was sick for the week. <laughs> but oh, Everyone had a great Christmas. This is great to hear. Yeah. What an optimistic, what a positive got, show this is. It got negative 11 over here, so. Uh, <laughs> it was yeah, that's, you know, it's. Uh, yeah. Hope <laughs> well, San Francisco is nice, though. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I can't complain. You know, it's, uh, I, I feel bad when I complain and say it was like 45 here. People want to slap me. It's like, they want to they give me a Will Smith and tell me to shut up. I don't blame them you know, what's going on around the country. But it looks, though, it looks, though, that uh, New Year's weekend is going to be warm in most places, which is good. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be 40 by the weekend, something like that, they were saying. Oh, my God. <laughs> Weather's all over the place. Totally. totally. Yeah. So what's crazy about this whole drug company thing is how how mad Pfizer is. 
especially that they admitted that they never did testing for transmission. Did you hear about that? Yes, absolutely. Which yeah. is nuts. Yeah, Which that girl, that girl admitted they never really they never really knew if it was going to be effective or not. They really didn't do enough testing to know that. No, they, no. Not only they didn't do testing, it was never part of their. Uh, hold on, I have it right here. Uh, well, we we know that Operation Warp Speed was just to fast track this for political reasons. That's what it was. Yeah, people but, want you know people want an answer. All this stuff was about people wanting to believe we're doing something, right? We have to do something, so we're gonna do vaccines quickly. We're gonna do masks. We're gonna do all this shit, lockdowns, and and that doesn't work. Just to show we're doing something, we're earning our paychecks. You know. Yeah, the the vaccine was never tested for whether it prevented transmission. <laughs> right. right. That's nuts. Uh, I just I found the government contract. It's mad redacted, but I found it because apparently Pfizer was doing these crazy contracts with uh, foreign governments. Uh, not only were they 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 were making uh, non disclosure agreements where they couldn't discuss or do any negotiating without them, but they were taking they were in within the contract. If they didn't pay, they were taking actual property and and other things in the in foreign countries to take over. It's insane how <laughs> a corporation shouldn't be able to do that. That's insane. Right. Well, look, they did a lot of things based on the fact that they thought they can get away with it all because it was in the better. It was, it was the interest of the public health. Right. It was for the greater good. So once again, they could step on the Constitution. They can do illegal things. They can do things that were never, ever done before, that were always seen as illegal and immoral and other things. And they can all do it because, oh, it was saving humanity by doing this. We're saving, we're saving millions of lives with no evidence that we're doing such. And so they thought they could get away with all this stuff. And now they're seeing we're, – we're, what's the saying? I think, it was, I think it was the chickens come home to roost. I think Malcolm X even said it, right? The chickens are coming home to roost, and that's what's going to happen. 2023 is going to be the year of the chickens – Coming yeah. home to lose. And that's what's going to happen. And they yeah. deserve it. And they deserve it. But once again, this is so important for accountability and to make sure that this doesn't happen again in the future. There has, oh, to, be yeah. there has to be punishment. punishment. Yeah, and, yeah. And the censorship was obvious from day one because as you couldn't say anything online. Anybody that said anything on YouTube got struck. Anybody that said anything on Facebook got struck. Anything that said anybody on Twitter. It was like <laughs> – it was dead obvious something was going on, like with all the censorship. I mean, nowadays, all my favorite YouTube channels, they're all demonetized. Like any channel that you that does their due diligence and finding the like, fact checking and making sure there's like evidence to back up the like what the truth is and to make sure that 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 it like follows it follows evidentiary procedure. Mm -hmm. So it can be so so it could be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. All those channels are all demonetized. It's 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 insane. <laughs> yeah, they're all demonetized. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They're all they're all demonetized. And uh you know, it's I'll, I'll get a little bit more into this, you know, the, the, the depth of the Matt Taibbi reporting, you know, of the of the collusion with all these all these government agencies. And once again, I had mentioned this in the past too. With any kind of censorship, especially when it comes to this kind of censorship, 
and this whole idea of oh what's what's is today the meeting with the is today the meeting with the CIA is today the meeting with the FBI is today the meeting with this made these people feel important Tony it made these these nothing balls at Twitter these 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 techies uh, a lot of them just out of college it made them feel very important it made them feel like they were somebody right come on i have who am i i was nothing before this i was a fucking nerd in college i was a geek no one gave me the time of day and now i'm having meetings with the fbi i'm having meetings with the cd cia and the and the dod Lord, how important i am that was a big part of all this also what's funny is that when they when they questioned to go find the russian propaganda accounts they ended up banning actual u.s government accounts <laughs> right yeah. That? Yeah. yeah yeah it's insane <laughs> there yeah. wasn't russian propaganda it it all started from 2016 with the assange blowing up the dnc and everything that was going up behind there and hillary going nuts on that yes. and then once trump came into office the democrats got derangement syndrome and went full-blown trying to block everything mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They really believed. I mean, who would believe such a thing? Look, look, once again, I'm no fan of Donald Trump. I was no fan of Hillary Clinton. I'm no fan of Barack Obama. Do I like anybody? Probably just Ron DeSantis. But even Ron DeSantis, I wouldn't believe everything he says. I, I wouldn't say everything he says is great. Everything he says is right. I believe in everything. This whole idea with Donald Trump, with these people with Trump derangement syndrome, was he cannot say one thing they would agree with. That's not even humanly possible. I come from New York City, and we had a mayor, and his name was Ed Koch. And he would say, if you, if you, if you agree with me 80% of the time, that's great. If you agree with me 100% of the time, that's not normal. That's what Ed Koch would say. And he's 100% right. If you agree or disagree with any one person 100% of the time, it's not normal. You're doing it just because you want to agree or disagree with that person. And this thing where everything Trump said, they had to do the opposite. And we'll, I'll say it again. If Trump had said mask, there'd be no masking from the left. If Trump had said vaccines are a must, that would be considered fascist from the left. If Trump had said lockdowns, the left would have said, fuck you, are opening. But they had to do exactly the opposite of everything he said or believed or they thought he believed. That is a sickness. And you'll never convince me it's not a sickness. <laughs> that, that, that's more than a sickness. That's a, that's a mental disorder. Jesus Christ. Uh, it should be. I'm, 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 if anyone yeah. out there is part of the yeah. American Psychological Association, yeah. I'm lobbying for Trump derangement syndrome. That might be my cause. That might be my that, <laughs> that might be my New Year's resolution to get Trump derangement syndrome as part of the uh, Journal of Medical Disorders in the in the DSM, the new DSM, because it should be a psychological disorder. It's ruining okay. lives. It's ruining the lives of people who have it and the people around them. So it it really needs to it really, it really needs to be in there. It really needs to be in there. How's that for a uh, How's that for a positive, a positive, <laughs> but I think, I think the whole idea of, uh, do you believe in those things? New Year's resolutions? Uh, so it matters what you do with them. But a resolution, I guess it's not uh, saying I'm going to do something like that. It's not a resolution is almost like giving something up, right? You're supposed to give something up. That's not good for you. Isn't that the whole idea? Like I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to, I'm going to stop eating candy, that kind of stuff. That's a, that's yeah, a real, you, know. you could also do it the opposite way of like, you're going to do something. I guess so. That's, that's a, that's a more positive thinking way of doing it. Right. Yeah. And I think that those are even easier to follow through the ones where you give up something you love. That's a habit are really difficult to follow through on. Most people never do. 
you know, that's, that's, that's always, it's always tough. You know, I'm a, you know, people who are like, they've never worked. I love these people. They never worked out a year, a day in their life. And they're like, I'm going to gym six days a week, starting January 1st. And of course they never make it <laughs> or, or they buy it. those gym memberships. And by mid January, they're not used anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and if they did, they wouldn't be able to work the next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ex exactly. But no, you know, it's true though. I mean, this is like everything that man said, the left had to do the exact opposite simply because it was Donald Trump and God forbid this 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 wealthy guy who had a lot of positive things he had done in his life as far as business is concerned i mean obviously he was a celebrity obviously he got himself on tv obviously he had businesses that were thriving he had to know something i mean that had to be he had to be right a couple of times a year right you would think i mean he called the deep state thing he was right about that <laughs> Oh, he's right about a lot of things, yeah. Donald Trump. Yeah. Once again, the things he was wrong about were very big, though, like Anthony Fauci and and this uh, Operation Warp Speed. Those were two very bad things. Yeah, they were very bad, and he still won't admit. I well, he won't admit. And he, see, that's the problem with Donald Trump. He won't admit he does anything wrong. He won't admit Operation Warp Speed was wrong because he wants to see the vaccines as a big accomplishment, which of course they're not. It's quite the opposite. And he'll never admit that putting Fauci front and center was wrong. He'll just say Fauci fooled him. That Fauci got too big for his britches, but Fauci was a fucking asshole from day one. Fauci was a total fucking asshole in the 80s and 90s. We didn't know what the fuck he was talking about when it came to AIDS. And all you needed to do if you were president of the United States is do five minutes of research like I did, like many people did, and you would say, I don't want this guy anywhere near COVID. So, you know, look, Trump has, like I said, Trump has his, I like things about Trump, and he's got his flaws. And one of his biggest flaws, he just, it's, it seems to be for politicians in general, simply to say I was wrong, they think that's like the end of their career. I would vote for a politician that said they're wrong, you know, like like Ron DeSantis saying he was wrong to do any kind of lockdowns. He has said that many times that in the future, he would never, ever, ever even have a lockdown for one day, let alone a month or whatever. It lasted in Florida two months. He wouldn't do it anymore. He would never do. It. So that's good. That's admitting that you're wrong, right? Yeah. And what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. No. no. <laughs> you, know. you can't be right 100% of the time. So. You can't. You can't. Unless, you're, unless you're me. Unless you're me, Tony. <laughs> but, you know, I put a lot of years into being wrong before I was right 100%. <laughs> I'm always wrong. It's fine. No, you're not. That's not true. That's not true. I've you're been in the wrong place for a long time. I'll tell you that you're much. Not, you're, not, you're not always wrong. And we'll, I'll talk in a minute about some other issue. That I wanted to get to um, about uh, a politician who have you heard about this? I'll keep you on, Tony. Have you heard about the politician? What's his name? The guy who admitted he just lied about his college resume or his uh, who, who was the politician that just was found in a lie? Did you hear about this? I'm not sure, but Biden lied like all through his life. It's insane. You know, <laughs> I think alike, Tony, I, I saw the story today. What the hell is the guy's name? Uh, I'll just look up. This will come up. But he uh, he lied about his. Um, let me see. What's his? Oh oh, uh, uh, Santos, George Santos. Oh, Evidently, Santa. Congressman yeah, George Santos. He had lied about his career, and so he lied about his resume. He he. Uh, thank you. Thanks thanks Isaac. So Santos had lied about his resume. You know, like he embellished, like a lot of people do. A lot of people yeah. on their resume. Who doesn't embellish on their resume? First of all, I have two questions about this. One is, who gives a shit about a resume? When it comes to running for office, is, is there, are there qualifications for running for office? Not really. No. <laughs> Anybody, who cares? I don't really give yeah. a shit. 
So this this embellishment. First of all, I don't care because what, what, what was AOC's qualifications? Like she was a good bartender. <laughs> that was a, that's the top of her resume. Great bartender. So it, right, this is all bullshit anyway. And then yeah. you have this guy who's being crucified. In fact, they want them to not. They want him to resign and not take office. He said, "No, I'm taking office." Why would anybody under Joe Biden resign for for embellishing? Look at their president. Look at Joe Biden, a, a, a half century of lying, a half century of embellishment. And the did, guy continues to do it. Did you hear about the Purple Heart thing he gave to his uncle <laughs> when, he, when, when he said he was VP and he wasn't VP then and his uncle died like nine years before that? Well, that was just one of the big doozies. Another one was that his son died in Iraq when he died at Walter Reed Medical Center of brain can- cancer. Yeah. Wait a minute. And then saying he was like a university professor in Pennsylvania – between the time he was vice president and ran for, what is he talking about? What is he, you know, so he says these weird. I mean, then he says his wife's a, a, a father was Italian. It was a, his grand. It was a grandfather that had some Italian in him, not a father. The guy makes things up all the time. He just cut him from from small stupid things like that Italian thing to really big things like saying your son died in Iraq, or, or saying that you were a university you were a professor in some college. It never happened, or. We know the embellishment he did with his, uh, you know, when he when he had to stop running for office the first time he ran or the second time he ran for president. I lose track of how many times he ran. But, <laughs> you know, the the uh, so the guy is constantly lying. And so I can't crucify this congressman for embellishing a little bit about his college and his career. It, it, to me, it's you know, he said his sins here. He 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 said he embellishes his resume, just like so many people do who get jobs. There are people who get really top-level jobs, man, who lie in their resume, and they're never caught. They're never caught. Or maybe if they are, their boss doesn't even care as long as you're doing a good job, right? So yeah. it's like, it's a, this, this stuff is stupid. He lied about his job experience and his college education. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. These what? campaigns last forever. Where was his opponent? Why didn't his opponent figure this out? How long are these campaigns? A year, fifteen months, and yet they didn't find out he lied until after he already wins. Where, where was the opposition research? Where was his Democratic opponent putting in opposition research? The guy should have found it before the election. So screw him for not finding out this stuff a year ago. Well, yeah. And then when people actually ask questions, they never answer it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, so, yeah, yeah. and then it just disappears. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he said he had obtained a, a degree from Baruch College, Baruch College in New York, but the school said that couldn't be confirmed. On Monday, Santos said, "I didn't graduate from any institution of higher learning, so he doesn't have a college degree." I'm embarrassed. And so here, here's another problem that this brings up: this whole idea of saying, "In other words, are we still in that state now, where we say if we don't, if we don't graduate from college, we're worthless? That you can't run for office if you haven't graduated from college? Do you know who didn't graduate from college?" Rush Limbaugh didn't graduate from college. I don't believe – I could be wrong about this, so I don't, I don't want to assume me. I don't think Sean Hannity graduated from college. Bill so, Gates didn't graduate from college. <laughs> who didn't graduate from college? Bill Gates. Right. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So whole, uh, uh, yeah. But especially now when we know these institutes of how, – how awful a lot of these institutes of higher learning are with the way they indoctrinate people into the left-wing agenda and also with their ridiculous vaccine mandates. Right. So, you know, the people running these institutions are fucking idiots. Right. If they believe in vaccine mandates and upholding vaccine mandates. So it totally anti-science drivel 
So why are we still holding college in such a high esteem to the point where someone feels they have to embellish in order to become con- a, a congressperson? I mean, there, uh, that's, that's one of the problems here, is that we should not have to do this anymore. We shouldn't have to do this anymore. You know. <laughs> he said he had worked for Citigroup and Goldman Sachs, but neither company could find any records verifying that. Santos told the Post he had never worked directly Father Fench from saying he had used a poor choice of words. He told the Post that Link Bridge and both. So, yeah, another news outlet, the Jewish American site, the forward had a question to claim. And once again, this is also the part of the idea that if you're just a regular person, you can't win, right? If you're just a regular person, you know, uh, I had odd, I did odd jobs. He's guy's only 34, not like he's 60 years old. So I've done odd jobs. You know, I didn't go to college. I, I've done odd jobs out of school. Uh, I've been, I've done blue collar work. You know, and this is all the people go, oh, you're, you're worthless. You can't be in Congress. Where, where, where's your college degree? You know, oh, you're not a lawyer. If, if you're not a co- if you're not, not a lawyer with three college degrees, you can't be in Congress. You're not worthy of Congress. I think we need fewer fucking well-educated lawyers in Congress. Or I should say lawyers, not necessarily well-educated. We need the working class in Congress. That's what we need. <laughs> right. But this is all part yeah. of the idea that you can't do that. And there are a lot of working class people who might want to run for office but feel they can't because they don't have a college degree. They're not a lawyer, right? They didn't work for a law firm. They're not an accountant. They're, they're not a doctor, so they can't. They, they just they can't do it. People aren't going to accept that. They don't have connections with corporations, a super PAC, millions of dollars, donors. Yeah, It's not right. just running. <laughs> so I want to make it clear. The guy shouldn't have lied about this stuff. But you know what? He shouldn't have had to feel like he had to make it up. And evidently he felt like he had to embellish this stuff and have any chance to win, right? Well, you so, got to get in the door somehow. And things are crazy now, so. <laughs> oh, this is a, but this is a, fu- oh, here's the funny part of this. I had to read this. Okay, so he says, I never claimed, oh, another news outlet, the Jewish American site, The Forward, very big in the New York area, had questioned a claim on Santos's campaign website that his grandparents fled Jewish persecution in Ukraine, settled in Belgium, and again fled persecution during World War II. I never claimed to be Jewish, Santos told the Post. I'm Catholic. Because I learned my maternal family had a Jewish background, I said I was Jewish. <laughs> 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 you know what? I like this guy more and more now. I'm not a Jew. I didn't say I was Jewish. I didn't say I was Jewish. I said I was Jewish. <laughs> oh, that's too funny, man. That's hilarious. You know, I should say my my mother. Okay, my mother. Let's say I'm running for Congress, and I did run for Congress. So let's. But I don't think I ever talked about this. Let's say I'm running for Congress, and uh, people ask me about my heritage for some reason. Even though why would it matter? Let's say it did. Okay, so my mother is, was, is Jewish. My mother was Jewish, okay? She was born Jewish, my mother. My father is Roman Catholic. When my mother um, uh, married my father in 1970, she converted to Catholicism, and I was born a year later, okay? So there could be questions as to whether I, I'm, I'm Jewish at all, right? The, Jew, Jews will say if your mother is Jewish, if she was born Jewish, has Jewish blood, you are Jewish. There are other people who will say, no, Mike, we did research and your mother converted to Catholicism before you were born. So you lied about that. Right. It could be taken either way. Right. Am I, so it's like a catch 22. If I had said I'm I'm part Jewish. That could be seen by some people as the truth and others as a lie. Right. Yeah. But still, your mom grew up with that culture. So, you know, the, 
Well, yeah, I mean, once you again, score, yeah, that's right. part of her. That's part of her background. So, of course, right, because she decided to, do. because she decided to do some paperwork yeah. and convert Catholicism. Most people, especially the Jews, would say that doesn't really make a difference. No, <laughs> you, you still have Jewish blood. You're, you're, you're Jewish. You're part Jewish. So I always say I'm part Jewish and part Italian. It doesn't make any. I'm missing. I'm mixing an ethnicity with a you know, nationality with a, with, with, a, uh, with a with a religion there. But I always say that, and that's a very big. That's a very big thing in New York, by the way, as you might know, Tony. Jew, yeah, yeah. having a Jewish yeah, well, parent, one Jewish parent, yeah, and one, Italian, one Catholic. Italian yeah. either married Jewish or Irish. Exactly the yeah. Italian <laughs> Italian Jewish combo or the Italian Irish combo. Yeah, they're both very big in in New York. So. Yeah. So you know that's but it's, you once again people can twist your words or there's different interpretations too but that I, I mean I think that's hilarious of saying I well, I never said I was Jewish I was Jewish kind of kind of a little bit of Jew there yeah <laughs> so but the the fact of the matter being you shouldn't have to rely about a resume it shouldn't matter if you went to college it doesn't matter if you're a lawyer anyone should be able to run for office and win anyone can run for office but run for office and have a really good shot at winning. And that's that's the point as someone who has run for office. You can run, but can you win? And we need to get to the point in this country where more quote-unquote regular people, I make fun of AOC, but she's in that category, right? Yeah. A regular person can can run and actually and actually win. You know? Well, the bigger so, issue is the DNC locking everybody out. <laughs> Well, the DNC locks people out, and so does the RNC. I mean, the DNC has been a lot worse with it lately. But, I mean, I I know that because, I I mean, the DNC, I I ran as a Democrat, and they they lock out anyone who they don't want. You know, they have their hand-chosen people, right? And it usually comes with popularity, celebrity, and or money, those things. They want you to have at least one of those things, not all of them. And then they'll back you. But if you're a regular person who has good ideas, who's ambitious, they'll go, oh, well. You know, too bad. And that's the problem. That's why people feel like they have to embellish. And we've got a president who's been uh, embellishing to be nice about it for 50 years now. So, yeah, I, I don't think Mr. Santos should step down. Or Mr. Santos should simply say, yeah, I'll resign when Biden resigns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Biden resigns and I'll, I'll resign along with him. If he's not going to resign, I'm not going to resign. You know, the only thing I, I would I would. Uh, I would advise Mr. Santos to not be a liar for 50 years the way Joe Biden is and start telling the truth about his background. You know. <laughs> when did he get dementia at 20? Like, what is that? When did Biden get dementia at 20? Like, well, you know, the dementia thing has just added to the problem, right? It has exacerbated the problem. Um, but we, we know he's been lying since he was, you know, 30 years old. Yeah. So we know that. We know he's been lying since his late 20s. So it's not the, it's not just a dementia thing where you can say, oh, the poor guy is old. Let him let him be. You know, he's always lied. He's always been a liar. Right. So yep. that's just the way he is. And he gets away with it. You know why? Because his name is Joe Biden, not Don Trump. When, his name, when your name is Don Trump, you can't do it for four years. When you're Joe Biden, you could do it for 50 years and become president. Yes. <laughs> right. So. You it's know. insane, dude. Tony, thanks yeah. for the call, man. I yeah. appreciate it. Is there anything uh, else you wanted to say? I, I talked a lot. Did you want to say something else? No, nah, I'm kind of getting over being sick. That's why I'm kind of like a little off with my voice. But No, you sound fine. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's been, it's yeah. been a long week. Well, feel yeah. better because you have to I hope you had sick. a good holiday. Have a good, Everyone have a good new year. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. Be good, brother. Be good. And all be right, good. Tony. Thanks. And remember, I'll be here all week. I'm here. This show airs Monday night through Friday night, and this week won't be the same. It'll be on five days. Because because Christmas and New Year's falls on a weekend, I get no days off this week or next week. <clears throat> Do you feel bad for me? Anyway, uh, let me see. There's some, you know, I really wish people, unless you're a mute, if you're a mute and you can't talk, I understand it. But if you can talk, if you have a voice, vocal cords, I would much prefer you actually called in. This is a call-in show. And it's tough for me to, like, I'm reading stuff on Twitter. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm reading articles for you. I'm talking to callers. And do all that. You know, uh, I can juggle two or three things, but not six things. So also, like, reading. You're, oh, Isaac says he's a mute. Okay, so we'll make the Isaac exception. We believe in, res, you know, religious exemptions for, for vaccines and stuff. So we should also believe in, in this exemption here. So Isaac says he's a mute. So he has to talk this way. Um, he can't actually speak. Um, uh, but um, all the comments are interesting. I'm trying to read through all these comments. No, I know AOC didn't lie about it. I didn't say she did. I never said she lied about her background. Never said. Did I ever say AOC? Did, did I ever say AOC lied about her background? Now, Isaac, you're a mute, but you're not like are you. You have hearing issues too, because I never said that. I didn't. I, I didn't say that. I never said anything about AOC lying. AOC did not lie, from what I know, about anything when she ran for for Congress. But what I said was. that someone going to college for me personally, and I think the way it should be, is not important. Like AOC was a bartender, right? So this whole idea of having to have all these things on the resume, a resume, like a resume mattering, a resume mattering when you run for Congress, I think is stupid, right? We very rarely ask people who run for Congress to show their resume, to put their resume on there. They'll put personal things on their website. They'll say, I did this, I did that. My background's in this, my background's in that, but they don't necessarily put their official resume, right? We don't ask for an official resume. In other words, you don't need to have an official resume. There's not a check, there's not a bureau that checks your resume before they decide whether you can run for Congress or not. So it really shouldn't matter. And the fact this guy felt he had to lie really just shows that it's tough for regular folks, maybe with, you know, empty resumes or resumes with a lot of years missing to run for office. People want to know, what'd you do? What'd you do? This is the thing about this country. This is the thing about this country. You go to a party in the United States. Most people will know that you go to a social gathering, a, you know, a soiree. And what the first thing, if not one of the first things people in this country ask you is, what do you do? Right? That's a major question in this country. When people don't know you and they're meeting you for the first time, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Believe me, when you go to other countries... That's not the first question. And in many countries, they never ask that question. They will, they will ask things like, what are you interested in? What are you interested in? What interests you? What can we talk about that interests both of us, that we can have a, a decent conversation? But this whole idea that we have in this country where the first question is, what did you do? Meaning... It's almost like a judgmental thing. Of course, it's a judgmental thing. What do you do? And you think, wow, am I going to say something that makes this person think I'm important enough to be here, that I'm worthy of talking to them? That's the problem we have in this country, and it's longstanding, and it goes back, you know, I can't trace as to why. 
you know, material things matter in this country so much, or a person's worth matters so much in this country, or what they do matters so much. But that's a big problem here. You know, that's the, yeah, what do you do that's interesting? That's a good question. That's an even better question. Do you do anything interesting? Do you do anything interesting? Because I don't find that being a lawyer is particularly interesting. And I have friends that are lawyers, love them. But, you know, that, to me, it's not a particularly interesting thing. A lot of people do that, right? A lot of people are lawyers. A lot of people are CPAs. A lot of people work in politics. But what do you do that's interesting about you? And that doesn't really matter in this country. So what do you do? Basically, is it important enough for me to actually see you as an equal? Uh, what's your bank account? How much do you have in your bank account? How do you make a living? How do you make a living? And so all of that plays into, once again, I'm not excusing. The guy should not have lied. He shouldn't have lied. I'm not saying it's good that he lied or it's necessarily the Jewish thing is funny, but I'm not giving him any credit for lying. But the idea that he felt that he had to in order to have a real chance at winning is a sad state of affairs here. It's a sad state of affairs. And it's very tough. I'll, I'll give a personal story as we kind of, as I, you know, the show winds down here. But when I ran for Congress in, in 2005, in the 2005, 2006, it was 2006 election, the midterm, I had thought, well, am I, is there anything on my, I worked in radio, right? So I worked in radio. I did some writing, but most of my years before that were working in, in communications in radio. And I'm thinking, is this important enough? Are people going to think this is going to add up to me being able to be in Congress, to be a congressperson, to represent them? Is this enough? I wasn't a lawyer. And remember, what, 90% of people in Congress have some kind of a law background, if not several degrees and a lawyer. So I'm thinking, okay, uh, no, but I mean, no college degree. So I had no college degree. I'm sure most of you are thinking, oh, I can tell. Um, and I had no, um, you know, I wasn't a lawyer. So my background was in radio. And they said, okay, radio. Wow. What'd you do? I, I talked on the radio. Oh, you talked on the radio. Oh, I did some producing. You know, so I would uh, get guests for hosts. I, uh, I, I could get guests at a, a Rolodex list back in those days, a Rolodex list of people to call to get guests. So I did that. I, I screened phone calls for, for a guy named Bob Grant in New York. So I screened phone calls. I was a studio director is the fancy name of that. So a little bit of producing, a little bit of studio directing, a little bit of on-air stuff. And that's basically what I did. And oh, a little volunteering, you know, political volunteering, like volunteering in campaigns, not paid, volunteering. And I made that very clear, never, ever said I was, a, I was paid staff, just a volunteer. And I'm thinking, God, is this enough? But I told the truth. I told the truth. And if anyone ever said something like when I was interviewed, if someone said to me, well, you worked in the Kerry campaign, I would always correct them and say, I volunteered on this campaign. I was a volunteer. I would always correct them. I'd never let it just go. Even though I never said it myself, I'd never let it just go. I would always be honest. And I thought to myself, well, is this enough? Well, I, I didn't win, so maybe it wasn't enough. But it should have been enough. But there's always that feeling of all these people in Congress have all these degrees. They're doctors. They're lawyers. Do you have to make shit up? Do you have to embellish? Do you have to add a little bit? Would it have, would it have helped if I had said I had actually worked on the Kerry campaign? When anyone when even investigated that? But I never did. I always said I volunteered. I always told the truth. But we do have a feeling in this country. And take it from someone who were who who did this, who tried to run for office, who ran for office, that the feeling is you have to have certain done certain things in order to have a real chance at winning. And people will say all the time, no, we, we need regular people 
We need regular people, Mike. You need, yeah, you're good. You mean, but in the end, just like people always say we want the truth from our politicians, in the end, not really. They kind of like being lied to in the way of making them feel better about things. And it's ingrained in people here that they're politicians, people who run for high office, whether it's Congress or the House or president, have a huge resume of accomplishments and degrees and jobs and have a lot of money in the bank and are very wealthy. And that's a problem. Wait a minute, Isaac, you can talk? I thought you were mute. We're about to hear Isaac's voice. Isaac, you're on and let's be heard. Hello. Yeah, hi, Isaac. What's going on? You have a nice voice. It's a very soothing voice, Isaac. You, you, should, you know, you should be proud of it. Thank you. Uh, it feels good to speak. I was just cured of my... <laughs> Did I do that? Did I do that? You may have done that. It may have been the will of God. We'll because I want to put, I'm going to put in my resume that I cured people of, of, of being mutes. <laughs> You actually, you you should do that. It it makes people a lot of money. (laughs) There you go. Well, you've been writing a lot. I'm trying to keep up with your writing, but you can just talk now. What do you want to talk about? Um, actually, I wanted to talk about people in politics being held accountable, and 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 also representation (sighs) and fair representation because that's what you were talking about. Right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, that's a big topic there. Holding account, but hold, holding, making accountable. I mean, is there any specific thing you're person you're talking about or issue or just in general? Well, because we talked about what's his face, Santos, yeah, and so, then yeah. also comparing him to AOC, which you did, and then you ignored my comment about how you said, you know. No, I just said resume. I said, "What does this is exactly what I said?" I'm gonna do a replay in my head. I said, "What does resume matter? What did she do? A bartender?" That's what I said. That's what I said. Right, and what did he do? What did he do? He he lied about his resume. Right, he committed crimes in Brazil and is wanted internationally, and he's being held up as a person who should be in politics. I don't think he's being held up as someone that should be in politics. There are a lot of different people in politics, and a lot of them are crooks. A lot of them have done things untoward in their in their lives, in their backgrounds. Some of them we know, some of them we don't know. But that's just, you know, I wouldn't want to single him out. Would you? I think that I would because I think that he stands out as somebody who is, like, the biggest successful professional liar in history. Oh, stop it. Would you stop it? The guy's, first, the guy's 34. He's the biggest liar in history at 34 years old? No, 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 successful stop, liar. Stop. A bigger liar than, than Bankman Fried? Come on now. <laughs> I I mean, I guess not in that regard, but in, well, but also. Well, and look at all the people someone like Bankman Fried uh, hurt, right? I mean, hurt a lot of people. Yeah, but so, he wasn't under any level of scrutiny. And I, I have to say, I do agree with you that if people were actually doing like oppo research when they were running campaigns they should have figured out that this guy was a fucking fraud well wait, wait, and the guy that. especially someone who is new right you would say okay who is this guy let's I'm, he's running against me let me do some opposition research put a little money into that why didn't they do that yeah and, there... it, and it turned out that everything that he said was a lie everything 
Well, he, no, but he said he was Jewish. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's not a lie. It, it, yes, it was a lie. It's a little bit Jew. Jewish. He said he was a little bit Jew. That's all he was saying. No, lie. that is a lie. You can actually go into databases of people who have, I think, histories from you know Holocaust moving forward, and you can go in there, and he's like, hey, here's my background. And if you look it up, it doesn't exist. Of course, someone saying they're Jewish than saying I didn't say that. I said I was Jewish is ridiculous. I'm I'm only joking, of course. But what I'm saying is, if you want to hold him accountable, you got to hold other people accountable, like Joe Biden, right? You you have to. If if someone has lied, let's see, the guy's 34. The most he could really have lied for, where it would really matter, would be like maybe 15, 10, 15 years. But Joe Biden's lied for half a century. And Joe Biden's president of the United States. This guy's just a schlemiel congressman from New York. So once again, if if I'm him, I'm going to say, if Joe Biden resigns, I'll, I'll absolutely resign along with him. But if Joe Biden's not going to resign, I'm not going to resign. I'll just tell the truth from now on. That's well, all. I mean, that that's fine. And I agree with you. Joe Biden's a piece of shit. But you're also moving the goalposts. Isaac, you're fading a little bit. Uh, can you hear me? Perfect. Much, much better. You, you were, you were descending into uh, mutism again. I didn't want you to do that. So, um, no, but no, it's true. Uh, look, once again, there's no equivocation. They both lie, right? Biden's lied about a lot of things. This guy obviously lied about several things. There's no, no doubt about that. But no, he's lied is, about everything. The problem is when you have a president. Okay, I, I'm going to run for office, and I think, can I get away with a little bit of lying and embellishing, or a lot of lying? And I say, oh, look at the president. Look at a guy who's been lying for 50 years, and at the end of that period of lying, he doesn't become congressman. He becomes president of the United States. So if he can do it, why can't I do it? All right? So here's, that, that's, a, that's a problem. A fish stinks from the head down, and people t- take their lead from the top. So that's, that's a problem. And my issue is, when you talk about, you've worked, you, you, you wrote the word hypocrisy a lot. I wasn't hypocrit- hypocritical. He lied. AOC didn't. Okay, period. But it is hypocritical to say, well, this guy lied. He's horrible. Uh, You know, but Biden lies. Not too bad. Trump lies. Oh, he's horrible. You see, that's the problem. If you want real consistency, you need to be consistent. I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying in general. I'm just saying I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying in general. We don't get that. uh, We don't get that consistency from the media, do we? Not really. No, we don't. But you're, but you're also saying that I am being consistent, but also saying that anybody who is coming from my angle or my direction is being inconsistent. That's inconsistency. You just confused you to actually. You just confused me on no. purpose. I think you just confused me on purpose. No, okay. No. No. You you said that anybody who is coming from the left. And I'm going to be completely open right now. I am coming from the left. You said that somebody who's coming from that direction is going to be inconsistent about that. But you also just said that I personally am not being inconsistent because I'm not. I'm going to say, yeah, Joe Biden is a piece of shit. And we need to have him be held accountable for all these different things. But at the same time, I am going to say that Santos, I don't remember his name. He's some fucking freaky dude. Like, he needs to be held accountable at the same time. And at, at the same time, you can't equate what he did with anything the AOC has done. I didn't say and, you, you keep and, on putting words in my mouth. I didn't compare. All I said was, I don't believe in general 
we give a sh- I don't give a shit much, and people shouldn't give a shit, and a lot of people don't really give a shit much about the resume of someone who's running for Congress. Now, now here's the thing. I didn't say. Wait, 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 wait. No, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, go no. Ahead. What what reason did you give for not giving a shit about the resume of a person running for Congress? Personally, because I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it equates no, to you, being. I don't think it equates to being a representative in Congress. I, I think, I think you can be a representative in Congress and not have done anything in your life that's on a resume. But, but you said specifically that it showed something about the state of the country or the state of politics that a person needs to feels, lie feels, about feels, themselves. Feels, 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 feels the need. Sure. Feels. Yeah, yeah. Feels. Do you do you think if what George Sant do you think George Santos would have lied about any of this? If he thought he had the same chance to win, if he hadn't lied, that he'd get the same, that he'd get the same shade, he'd get the same. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the same chance, but the same fair chance of winning if he hadn't lied about any of this. A, he felt there was something psychological about this dude that he felt he had to embellish this stuff to have a better chance of winning, right? In other words, if my resume is better than my opponent's resume, I have a better chance of winning. If my resume is less, or I feel it's less than my opponent's resume, uh, I, I'm probably I'm probably not going to win, right? So there's something about him that felt, and Biden's done it. So something about Biden through the years has felt he had to embellish in order to win, and it worked, didn't it? Biden's president of the United States. You can't get much higher than that. So did Biden Biden embellishing and lying all these years, did it hurt him or help him in the end? I think think Biden is right up there, probably third in the history of the United States about presidents who are just completely vacuous pieces of shit. The other two being... Obama and Reagan. That vacuous and, piece of sh- that vacuous piece of shit got more votes than any president in the history of this country. Right, I understand that, and the reason that he got more votes than anybody else in the country or anybody in the history of the country is because it was a historical moment, and the moment was that we fully allowed people to be mailing things in. We all know that a lot of the time people can't make it to actually vote, and also that it was against donald trump that that, there's your that's the best and the second part is there's credence in the first part too but this and also covid right there was a pandemic okay so yeah second part there it's majority versus percentage yeah like like it was most people wanted to vote against donald trump the reason there was such a high volume is because as Isaac, as bad as many people Bailey. saw Trump as being, 50 years of lying, of proven lying, Joe Biden didn't matter. They were still said, okay, 50 years of half century what of do you lying. Mean it didn't matter. They voted for him. Yeah, it mattered because, well, no, what I'm saying is they voted for him anyway. It didn't matter. Right. In other words, Wait, his, how old is Donald Trump? I don't know, 75, whatever. They're both old. And he spent his entire life lying. Like what you're trying to build up right now doesn't make any sense no, 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 because no, no, both no, of them no, no, are complete no, Isaac, no, fucking no, no, you're lunatic me, liars. Isaac, Isaac, you're making a false equivocation. Donald Trump was not a okay. politician for 50 years. Donald Trump was not a senator and then a vice president. He didn't go through that. Donald Trump was an outsider who had never run, even run, for political you office have before. To be a politician what? to listen lie. to me. Listen to me, Isaac. We have 
there was much more scrutiny on Biden's lies through the years. He had to drop out of a race for, for lying, right? He had to drop out of a race for doing what college students do, right? And, 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 and cheating, basically. So right, giving a speech of someone else's words and pretending it's his. So this is, we have history. We have, we have proof of Biden lying many times through his half century in politics, but that didn't matter at all. Now, here's the problem, Isaac. As long as that stuff doesn't matter, there will still be many Santoses down the line because they see it doesn't matter. It didn't matter when it came to be elected leader of the free world at nearly 80 years old after a half century of proven lies that had been written in left-wing and right-wing publications. It didn't matter. So what we're talking about very big, to, to, to end this, we need to have, at some point, we need to say that these things matter. Just right. as the way they would I, I matter have... when making someone CEO of a company, they need to matter when it, when, it, when it makes someone congressperson or senator or president of the United States. It needs to matter. And in this country, this stuff, to most people, Isaac, it doesn't really matter that much. It doesn't yeah, really matter. Other, other, really things, matter other, things, other things trump honesty, if you will, which is getting rid of Trump. Trump's honesty. We don't care. I, I agree 100%. That's why I said that it was a percentage versus volume. I, I, I said that. All right. All right. You said it. Jesus Christ. All right, but what, nope. what I'm saying is I think we, we you know, we're, we're pretending, you and I, that we're disagreeing. We're really not. I mean, we're really agreeing with Biden. This is has... the reason that I called in is <laughs> yeah. because I'm very curious to find out, like, what, like, areas we're actually in agreement upon. I think many areas <laughs> on this area right. we are in total agreement. It's wrong what Santos has done to get elected. It's wrong what Joe Biden has done to get elected. You know, um, yeah, I think AOC is an idiot, but she didn't lie in her. In, as far as you know who she is, she never lied. She, but but AOC played a different way, and this is a very interesting thing. AOC played it in a different way, which doesn't work most of the time. It worked in her race against that fucking Connolly guy who who decided he wasn't going to run for office because he was such a big shot he didn't have to anymore but it worked in her case of saying i am a regular person like you i'm a bartender i'm just a regular old gal who was a bartender who worked her way through school and did it on my own and elect me and it worked but let me tell you isaac that doesn't work most of the time it doesn't or more people like that would run it doesn't i'm telling you man this is this is life this is life this is reality that doesn't no, that, work most of the time. She was in the that, right place that, at the right time against a fucking, you know, a, a worthless piece of crap candidate. Go, go back to the last time that Sarah Palin ran. What did she run on? Oh, Jesus. What did Sarah Palin run on? Oh, God. You mean this past time or earlier? No, 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 no. Not this past time. The reason that she lost this past time is because of uh, ranked choice voting, which is good. And you should also agree is good if you actually believe in democracy. Uh, we, because... I've gotten, I'm not going to get into ranked choice voting. I, I used to think it was good. Now I'm not so sure. But we're not going to get into that right now. It, but but go ahead. Bad. Go ahead. Go back to Sarah Palin's original run. So the last time that Sarah Palin ran, which was back with, God, McCain? McCain, yeah. Like, it's not that long and, ago. And the entire thing that she ran on was being a normal person and it, what like joe the plumber like shit like that she did the exact same thing that aoc did but you but you have to remember when, when palin ran with mccain she had already been governor of alaska 
So she was one of, she was a governor, right? So she had that going for her. That's a big difference. I think you can compare the two. AOC didn't have that kind of a thing on a political resume of being a governor. You know, so that, that was, that was the McCain's can't, no, McCain's thinking was the ridiculous thinking of the McCain campaign. Talk about not vetting. We talk about not vetting someone um, was that it would, this lifetime older politician needed someone who was maybe younger and didn't have, and had more of a regular person feel to them. Right. So they go to visit Sarah Palin and they go, wow, look at this. Wow. Look at this is a regular feel. She has a, she talks regular. She's a regular old person. And that's really going to help this campaign. Of course, not vetting her and realizing her deficiencies um, was of course a huge problem. But so I think Sarah Palin's issue was a little was a little different. I think her 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 once again having that they would not have gone to Sarah Palin if Sarah Palin was a nobody bartender in Nome, Alaska, but she was the governor of Alaska, so that that, that really aided that she wouldn't have been on the radar if she wasn't the governor. Wait, but who has more legitimacy as a person who is actually going to be your friend and representing you in federal politics? A person who got elected and then has a track record of not doing that or your friendly local bartender I, you know I, once again i'm i'm i like the idea in general of regular people with regular jobs or no job <laughs> or no college education uh but being a, a person who you feel is going to represent your best interests i think those people need to have a better shot of actually winning and we're in a country where that's the AOC is the is you know it's this she's not the rule man I mean it's just that's just reality she's the exception uh, and 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 I, I think people like that don't usually run because they don't usually think they can compete they don't usually think they can win they they can't raise usually they can't raise the kind of money people with connections can raise and people with connections usually have college degrees they have connections to universities their background the people they've met in college the people they hung out with after they're they're you know it, it's a it's that whole system is the way it's built in here, is connections and who you know and how much money you can raise. And for an average schlub, bartender, plumber, speaking of Joe the plumber, that was also a bullshit thing also. Um, it's, it's very difficult for those people. So Sarah Palin was bullshit. Well, Sarah Palin was bullshit because she's an idiot. In, in many ways, she's a moron. But I, I don't think it has anything to do with her background. It's just she's not a very smart person. I think I don't think AOC is, to my opinion of AOC, she's not a very smart person. But I think that those people in life who come from those kinds of backgrounds feel, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's the right feeling that they can't compete with these other people. They can't compete with people with three college degrees who are lawyers, who are millionaires, who have connections, who have rich friends, like Donald Trump has rich friends who can, who can you know, can contribute to that campaign and can bring in money. So it's, it's almost like, you know, you're fighting the man. I know it's a silly way to put it, but you're, you're fighting the man. You're fighting the system. And that's the way we are here. That's the way the system is here. And I, right. I, and I, I'm, I'm actually going to steal, man, your argument a little bit, even though I completely disagree with it. And that is to say that Sarah Palin had the full RNC backing, even though she was a complete dumbass. Yeah. But again... She was establishment, and I think that incumbency is more of a thing than any other thing that you can have in politics. If you have the incumbency, Absolutely. then that's going to win out against anything else. We saw that, Whereas, we saw that this year. We saw this year, 95% of the races were run by the incumbents, regardless of party, regardless of political ideology. Republicans, Republicans, incumbents won this year. 
It was a huge incumbent. It was basically saying we're we're comfortable with the asshole we have. That's no, it. In, in, no, in, no, 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 no. That, that's a very, very well-known thing that even if a person is the opposite party, people will go against their own party to vote for incumbents. That's just a thing. No, but most of the incumbents we saw reelected were, you know, Democratic incumbents in, in mostly Democratic areas, Republican incumbents in mostly Republican areas. They weren't necessarily the opposite. There was a very few examples of that. So it, sure, it was right. Sure, Once again, but, the reasons but, why the reason why they're incumbents, especially for so many terms, is because most of the people in their districts or their states are of, in their districts are of that are, are of that uh, of that political party. So that makes perfect sense. But yes, no, incumb- dude, uh, I, yes. I, no, that's, yes, Isaac, that's Isaac, Isaac, incumbency is no. a very big thing. Incumbency is a very big thing. But in order to Correct. become an incumbent, wait, Isaac, listen to me. But in order to become an incumbent, you have to get elected the first time. And it's very difficult uh-huh. for a regular average person to get elected the first time. And why is Nancy Pelosi still in her position? Because oh, she's the fucking incumbent, even I, though she's the crypt keeper. I know, I know. So you, you don't. You say you're a, a liberal, but you hate a lot of people who... I did who not say I'm a liberal, and don't call me a liberal. I said I'm on the left. Ah, okay. So you're on the left, but you don't like Nancy Pelosi. No, she's the crypt keeper. And again, I'm, I'm trying to let you know that, like, I have studied this stuff. Like, incumbency is far more valuable for a person in terms of getting elected than anything else and so all of these people especially someone like nancy pelosi who has been re-elected like 900 times yeah she can just sit back and be like oh come to me and suckle on my teats and everyone's gonna like run up to her and vote for her yeah. no matter what right now there, you know, there is a rare exception she does sucks yeah but there's a real exception which is aoc running against a several term incumbent who was basically Probably if he had won again, if she if AOC never existed, he probably would be he'd probably be speak of the house now, that guy. So he was he was really in line. He was like second or third in line. So sure, but, but why did she win? Why did she win? Because in that one instance, this guy became once again, I don't live in that district, neither do you, I don't think. So it's it's like it was the right place at the right time. It was it was it was a situation where someone like AOC said, This guy is not around in his district much. He doesn't come back. He doesn't he doesn't come here. He doesn't really represent us. He never shows up. He never comes here to campaign. He just takes it for granted. And she said, I'm going to really pound the pavement and I'm going to take advantage of the fact that I live in a very mixed district and I'm a female Latina. And I'm going to take advantage of that. I'm a young female Latina in, in Queens slash Long Island City, New York. I'm going to take advantage of that, uh, you know, um, I'm going to take advantage of, of, of that, and I'm going to take advantage of this guy who never comes here, doesn't talk to the people here, and I'm going to make them understand that. I'm going to point out how this guy doesn't represent you. He's not one of us. I am. I'm one of us. And you know what? She she worked her ass off. I'm not saying she didn't. I'm not saying she didn't work her ass off. She did. But she is the exception, not the rule. Pelosi is basically the same as the guy that she ran against someone who's been in politics for a long time, never comes back to the district, has done shit for San Francisco. San Francisco has deteriorated under her, you know, being in Congress and our representative. But no one has been able to, in a, in a Democratic primary, get people to believe that she is not on their side and she does nothing for them. And a big part of that is obviously being Speaker of the House. Her visibility is much greater than any other person in Congress, right? 
So she gets this free press all the time. That really helps. Obviously, she's always getting press. She has a weekly press conference that's that's projected on CNN and MSNBC. So she's become this untouchable figure because of her popularity that no one else in Congress, regardless of their incumbency, can, you know, has been able to take advantage of the way she has. So it's been very difficult. I know people. I know I know two or three I know three people personally who ran against her here in the last 10 years and they couldn't get 30% of the vote. And you know how horrible so, she is, right? And so many on the left know how horrible she is, that she keeps winning and winning and winning basically because of people know her. They see her on the TV, man. She's got name recognition. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, Pelosi was the reason for force the vote, if you know anything about that. Yeah, but, no, I understand. Of course, I know, I know. Yeah. I know. And, I'm just saying the Pelosi's are the rule. Right. The AOCs are not the rule that as we know that. I mean, it's just, it's just common sense. But there's a specific the reason that AOC was able to get in there. Well, you know, you, Isaac, you asked me what I thought. What do you think? What, what's your opinion of how she was why she was it, able to get in? It's, there? it's not a thing. It's a known thing that the reason that AOC was able to get around that, like the incumbency I don't know, like paradox or whatever you want to call it. Like the reason that she was able to actually get elected around somebody who had been there for a long time is because she had a very strong grassroots campaign. That's she what I said. Backing. That's what I said. You, you didn't, you have, I didn't, see the, I didn't see the word grassroots. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. Oh, you have not said oh, that. Oh, crucify time. me. I didn't say the, the magical word. I said she pounded the pavement. She was a regular person get who got out there and stakes out, dude. I'm going to hit them into your palms and that's feet, called like, grassroots roots man that's called grassroots without saying the word grassroots a, a nobody a bartender who gets out there and pounds the pavement for a year knocking on doors is the example of no. grassroots i gotta say the fucking you, word you, grassroots no you did say pound the pavement i just didn't connect the two i'm dumb <laughs> you're not dumb you just you want to be disagreeable isaac why do you want to be so disagreeable i don't but I'm let's let's be friends gonna... isaac we agree on a lot of things now, how I, we make how again, we make there's why I called in how we make things better in the world, Isaac. That's the big question. I don't have the answer for you. I'm sorry. I don't, I, I don't have enough on my resume to give you that answer tonight. I can't. What do you mean enough on your resume? <laughs> the knowledge, the the college education to be able to come to a, an agreement with you on how we really make things better. How, how do what we does cure that have to the do with your resume? Thank you. I appreciate that. So you're agreeing with me that resume doesn't really matter. No, it does. Uh, again, I'm a leftist. <laughs> like, oh, Isaac, I I'll show you. I'll show you maybe four hundred thousand leftists in my city of San Francisco who think resume very much so matters. Those people aren't leftists because I'm a person who is for working people. Uh huh. And against you know elite politicians and uh we probably have a lot more in common yeah. than we have isaac where are you isaac where are you calling from i'm calling from the pnw what the pacific northwest oh the pacific you, you can't be more specific do you think no no you think it'll be, you think it'll be droned if you give me your actual location actually north korea will likely nuke me ah so i'm i'm guessing because you're a leftists leftist right 
not liberal. Sorry, uh-huh. left leftist. I want to get I want to get my uh-huh. my verbiage right here. Um, in the Pacific Northwest is probably Seattle or Portland. Okay, all right. Yeah, I lived in Seattle for. I'll, I'll be specific. I'm not afraid, Isaac. I, I lived in Seattle for six years. I've been to Portland. Wait, you're times. you're you're not afraid about telling people where you used to live? Well, what? Everyone, uh, Isaac, stop. I say I'm in San Francisco a million times. So people know where I live now. Uh, right. But you said, I'm not afraid. Therefore, I will tell people where I used to live. Yeah. I'm not afraid of giving out information about myself. I'm not. I'm not. Where I'm, you used to live. Uh, where I used to live and where I live now. Both. Yes, Isaac. Yes. Uh, again, you said it specifically to say, I'm not afraid. Therefore, let me tell you where I used do you, to Do you try to be? That, an, that's a little bit. Ridiculous. Do you try to be annoying on purpose or is that a leftist thing? I do try to be annoying on purpose, and actually, no, I'm just, I'm just pointing shit out because like that's just funny. <laughs> What's funny is I'm not Jewish; I'm Jewish. I gotta give Santos credit for that, and you should also. I don't. <laughs> Come on, be, be 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 honest, Isaac. That's a very clever Isaac. Isaac. No, dude, I, I was the person in your chat who no, 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 Isaac, told now that you, you this person's name. Now that you have a voice, and it's a nice voice, it's a good radio voice. I like your voice. Um, Thank you. You you can call in more often. Don't, don't, you can write I'm if you gonna want. I'm going to do it. You can write in all you want, and I leave that open. I'm not, I'm not into censorship. I'm not like, I'm not I'm like, gonna you know, do it. No I, but, you I, know. I do have one question for you, though. Okay, go ahead. What are people saying about Trump's tax returns? And I know that you said multiple times that you don't like Trump, even though I doubt it. What are people saying? I mean, about you doubt it. What does that returns? mean? You doubt it. What does that mean? You doubt it. I, uh, you, Isaac, you I, might, I tell you uh, might, Isaac. Isaac, I'm nothing if I'm not honest. I tell the truth about how I feel about people. You haven't listened to the show I, enough you, to know. You might be like a Lincoln Project bulwark motherfucker. I don't know. Ugh, I hate the Lincoln Project. Stop it. Stop it. I've I've criticized the Lincoln Project several times on the show. I don't like the Lincoln Do Project. Do you hate the bulwark? Who? The bulwark. I don't know. What the, I can't tell you. I don't know what the bulwark is. What's Again, I, I know all this stuff, but people who are in that area don't know these things. Are you can tell me what the bulwark. What is it? Isaac, tell me what the bulwark is. What is it? It's a right wing, never Trumper pulpit. Whatever. There are a lot of, the, the, the Lincoln Project are people who they could take advantage of, of, of Trump derangement syndrome. That's all they are. There are nobodies who want to become somebodies and they were able to take advantage of, of Trump derangement syndrome. That's all. Well, they're full of shit. No, they're Kelly Conway's husband. Yeah, whatever. George Conway, I know. And, and uh, what's his name? There, there are a bunch of them. The, uh, many, some of the neocons are part of that group as well. But the fact of the matter mm-hmm. is, I, I have, once again, there's not. I'm not. This is not a black and white show. This is not like you. Lo- I love Trump. I hate Trump. There are things about Trump I, I like, and I understand his appeal. And of course, there are things about him I don't like. And I've said many times, I don't want him to be president again. So we can make that clear. But his tax returns. What do you want to say about his tax returns? What was your point about his tax? I returns? I, I I want to know what because a lot of what we've spoken about during this time is about. Really, like you and I, we are liberal elites talking about this shit. Whatever. Whether or not you want to classify it that way, that's fine. But like, yes, we are because we are people who focus on politics and are willing to like 
talking I, about politics. You're, you're telling me I, I love one one moment. You're saying you doubt that I don't like Trump. And then the next minute I'm a liberal elite. So I'm a liberal elite that likes Trump. Isaac, get your story mm. straight. You know, first of all, you, what, you're, what you're doing is what a lot of people do. It pisses me off. It's my pet peeve. Uh-huh. Uh, the label thing. You're this. You're a Trumper. Oh. You're a liberal elitist. Let's let's forget the labels. We've talked about a lot of interesting things, you and I, I believe. Whether the listeners agree or not, I don't know. But I believe you and I have talked about a lot of interesting things. Let's let's just stop, stop with the labels. As far as Trump's, you know, tax returns go, I don't – we – the media – mostly leftist liberal elite media has focused on his taxes more than any other person in the history of the country, any other president in the history, any other politician in the history of the country. They focused on his tax returns more than anyone else's tax returns. They didn't, they didn't give a shit about Hillary's tax returns when they saw uh, she made 28, whatever they made, $28 million uh, out of all, $28 million that she made, not being anybody, but giving speeches, making $28 million. That didn't, that didn't matter to them. It didn't matter. They didn't talk about that. They didn't talk about the Clinton Institute and the fake, fake money it brings in that's, that pads their bank accounts. They didn't care about any of that stuff. They didn't care about how, how someone like her could make $28 fucking million in one year. But when it comes to tax, Trump's tax returns, they, they couldn't stop for a very long time talking about them. So that's part of the Trump derangement syndrome. Once again, if it's about him, it's, it has to have this ultra focus where when it comes to anybody else, there was never this ultra focus. I mean, I, I'm sure you can go into many politicians, especially the high level politician taxes throughout the years and, and find problems with them. But of course, they didn't bother. But with Trump, they wouldn't let it go with Trump. They wouldn't let it go. So if we're talking about should a should someone running for office have to release every single Every single tax return that they've ever had in detail, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. No, and also that's a. Uh, I I think that's a weird roundabout response because it's not very. I I don't know myopic, but like to give a little bit of flavor for what I'm going toward. Like I fucking hate that any media at all whatsoever i want a blackout mm. on anybody talking about obama i want him to shut the fuck up and disappear like i want that and i would love that for trump too if it weren't for the last five years of him doing his tax returns and it turns out that he has negative income for like 40 million dollars every single year and all I want to know is like what people are saying about it, like what justifications people are giving. For... I'd, I'd love, I'd love to know. I love to know why people don't care how Nancy Pelosi got rich being in Congress. I want to know how, why people don't care that Nancy Pelosi. What does that have to do with what we're talking about? It has a lot to do with what we're talking about because you're you're talking what about. What does Trump... that have to do with because you're talking about tax returns? Because you're talking about Trump's finances. Right? So presidential about... tax returns, presidents, presidents, nothing but presidents. What does that have to do with their tax returns? Because you're talking about money. You're talking about finances. You're talking about finances. No, no. I said you never, presidents. You never, well, Isaac, did you say just presidents? We can only talk about pre- all of a sudden. I'm now, saying that right minutes. now. We can only I'm talk about presidents that... now. We can't talk about anybody. Well, hey, we can only talk sure. about Isaac says presidents, so we can only talk about presidents now. 
What's the who cares? What's the difference? I, I I've said multiple times that Nancy Pelosi is the crypt keeper. Like, why are you trying to say that I'm yeah. gonna defend her? Isaac, do you I really want you really want to hear the real answer? I think you want to hear the real answer. I should have given you the real answer five minutes ago. I don't sure. really I don't really give a fuck about Trump's tax returns. Oh that's no, all. but that's not what I asked you. That's not what I asked you. It's because I am not plugged into this area uh-huh. of the onlinosphere. That I would like to know what is happening, what people are saying. I don't know. Do I talk to the online sphere, whatever that means? I don't talk for. I don't know. What, what you do you mean? What's... Do you no, do? I, no. I wish yes, I was. That... Do. I think I wish I were that important. I'm not. I, I don't. I really don't know. I, I don't know what the. I... What do you mean important? I, in fact, I, I'm, I, I, the truth is, I'm hearing very little about this lately. I'm not hearing that much about Trump's tax returns. I'm not really hearing much, even from the uh, whether I don't look. I don't. I don't watch. I used to watch MSNBC and CNN all the time. In the last three years, I haven't, so I don't know. But as far as I know, what I hear in social media and Twitter and the you know. Wait, the, the, why are you referencing those two networks? I don't give a shit about them because those are the ones who talk about Trump's tax returns the most, dude. That's why. That's why. No, tell They'll me talk about all things with... Trump the most. They can't. They can't seem to. Can't, once again, they can't seem to not talk about him because he brings in great ratings. There's a reason for that also. But the fact of the matter is, I don't know. I, all I can tell you is, I haven't heard much about this in my world lately. Do you want a different answer? Is there a different answer? Wait, I can wait. Give you? I, I, I'm actually very curious. Then, what do you pay attention to in terms of your sources? Oh God, my sources for news? I don't know. I, I, yeah. I. I try to take a balance of them all. I, I watch Fox News a lot now, and I never did before. I watch Fox News a lot. I go on social media. I read what the interstitials. What is inter- Fox News ridiculous. saying about I, them? Substack. I do the Intercept. I'm on Twitter a lot. I'm on Facebook. You want me to keep going? What is Fox what News? What is Glenn saying about- Greenwald saying about the tax returns? Why don't you? Why don't you listen? To, why don't you go on Glenn Greenwald's Twitter feed and look at his? Why don't you read his articles? I have no clue. Why do you want me to talk? You just said that you're on Substack. Am I? Am I? Am I? I, They're not saying much about it at all. I just said that to you. They're not saying much about it at all. And and Fox News. And not 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 much about it at all. Not much about it at all. Not much about it at all. Then that is an answer, and I find that interesting. And you know, that's that. That's it. It's just interesting. You know, you can you can actually do these things that I do too. You know, you have the right to do them also. You, you have the ability to also go on Substack and go on Glenn Greenwald's Twitter feed and turn on Fox. If you want to, you can do all that as Dude, well. You don't need me to tell you. Greenwald you don't need me to tell you. Psychopath. Oh, okay. That's enough. Glenn Greenwald's a psychopath. Oh my God. <sighs> okay. All right. Glenn Greenwald's a psychopath. Everyone. That's the thing about a lot he, of people. He's not a psychopath, but his brain was broken by the concept of cancel culture. And since then, he has not been a reliable source for essentially anything. Okay. If you say so. I believe he's one I of the I do few. say so. I, I believe he's and one I'll of the, back that up with I believe a he's lot one of, the of few, fucking sources. I believe he's one of the few. Yeah, okay, your sources will prove to you that Glenn Greenwald is, has gone crazy. Okay, yes. Let's let's see all those sources. My sources are going to be his own fucking reporting. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I think Glenn Greenwald, in my opinion, is one of the few remaining good journalists who can put their political opinions aside and actually do their fucking job and do real journalism and investigation. I mean, that's, he that's, he was once upon a time. Do you have any others that you would point to? I don't know. I mean, let's see. Len Greenwald, I like a lot. Um, hmm. I like reporting that. Uh, no, I, in fact, I've said this many times. The reason why I'm racking my brain is I can think of so few really good journalists anymore. 
my like I like some of the work that Taibi's done in the past and the present. I mean, but I I can't. I wish I could give you a list of ten people, my top ten journalists. I, I don't I don't have them. Do you have them? Do, are there journalists that you like and trust? My top ten journalists? No, no, you don't have to give ten. Just give me a few. Just give me a few. No, I th- I think that I have completely gone away from any like name recognition bullshit and just at you know at least back when uh russia invaded ukraine i was like no i'm not going to listen to any of these outlets what i'm going to do is find a person and know that they're dependable and listen to their independent reporting because they did not have any editorial oversight Mm-hmm. But I don't really know if that's the case or mm-hmm. it has been for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could probably go through, I could probably go through, you know, uh, a lot of different sub stacks and, and come up with people who I say are saying things that are, that make sense or people who are more fair and more balanced. But I mean, I don't take the time to do that. So I'm sure they're out there. I don't want to give people short shrift because I'm not doing my research. But off the top of my head, like I said, there are very few. There are very few journalists out there, especially I say the most the most quote unquote popular ones, the most popular ones, I believe, are, are I, I can't I can't name any of them who I who I really, really trust. I really can't. I, I can say if you want to find uh, or if you want to follow some people who definitely do dependable and uh, legitimate reporting, follow Unicorn Riot. Follow who? Who? Unicorn Riot. Oh, Unicorn Unicorn Riot, huh? Okay, I'll have to. I'll write that down. Unicorn Riot. Okay. All right. Is there is there a reason? I, I need to end the show here, Sue, but is there a reason why you like them? No, they're just like a good, dependable news source. I think they're out of Minneapolis, and they do good stuff. Okay. I, w- I will check them out. I will check them out. Isaac, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Call back again, all right? I'll definitely do it. It'll probably... A few months? It's a long time, a few months. doesn't got to be a few months. But you're welcome to call back anytime you want. Anytime you want. Um, wow, this has been a long show. Uh, mostly because of Isaac not shutting up. No, I appreciate it. It was a good call. And... Uh, that's the Monday show. It was pretty good for uh, the day after Christmas. I didn't think many people would be around. So I'm, I'm most popular to see it was a decent crowd. Uh, this show airs Monday night through Friday night, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. I'll be on all week. Uh, my name is Micah Chopley. 